Hello there, my name is Tom Chick. You were listening to the Quarter to Three Movie Podcast for A Most Wanted Man. Hmm. Uh, my name is Tom Chick, I'll say that again, and I am here to discuss A Most Wanted Man with uh, my esteemed colleagues, one of whom is Christian Molstowski. Uh No patronymic. Am I the son of nobody? And uh, my other colleague who has, brings us a tagline for a most wanted man, Kelly Wand. Ich bin ein Hamburger. Jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it sounded like Bei Ling saying Kennedy's, a variation of Kennedy's famous. I don't, want to, I don't want to be unrecognizable. <laughs> Although I do want to be known as a chameleon. Kelly Wand, uh, speaking of... Podcasting. I mean, podcasting, not podcasting. Okay, well, I'll I'll accord you that title. Um, we have a new feature. I, I don't know how much longer we can call it new. I think we've done it for three weeks. In its fourth week, Kelly Wand, our new feature is an IMDb synopsis every week, right? What, what have you brought us this okay, week? Okay, you have to guess the movie. It's a really tough one. Okay. Uh, by the way, give us a clue. Is it in IMDb's top 5,000? Probably. Okay. Bill and Joe... Oh, and ladies and gentlemen, this week's IMDb synopsis, whatever week this is. Bill and Joe Harding, advanced storm chasers on the <laughs> divorce. <laughs> I can't even read it. I knew I wouldn't be able to. Fuck it. Let me start again. Bill and Joe Harding, advanced storm chasers on the brink of divorce, must join together to create an advanced, again, weather alert system by putting themselves in the crosshairs of extremely violent tornadoes. <laughs> tornadoes have sniper rifles. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Tom. That's what the middle part's called. See, it's like an I, but there's an X in the middle of the tornado. The gentle tornadoes are so much less interesting. I'm just a little bummed it wasn't advanced violent tornadoes for the hat trick of advanced. <laughs> and Dingus, you have a guess for what the movie is this week? Oh, uh, I think that is... Um, Whoever guesses it first wins $1,000, by the way. Go ahead, Dingus. Uh, that is uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, we'll split the diff. Yeah, I'm going to guess the Philip Seymour Hoffman vehicle. There was almost a Tom Chick vehicle. We, mm. You can listen to earlier podcasts for the story there. Uh, uh, Twister, not directed by Rennie Harlan, directed by Jan Dumont. Ah, Jan. The poor man's Rennie. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> Kind of sad, but true. Uh, uh, thank you for that, Kelly. Yeah, Warren. That was a good one. No. Um, now I think this is an extremely popular feature, at least in my house. You live with a lot of people and animals. It is. There's a lot of folks over here, and so far all of them who've come through have been fond of that feature. So, I'll yeah. make it anonymous. <laughs> uh, let's now talk about what we saw this uh, yeah. week. Dingus, why don't you know if you maybe you haven't seen it? Most likely you haven't seen it. It's another smaller movie. Uh, They're not uh, listening, huh? We're not going to spoil it yet, though. So, Dingus, without spoiling it, the spoilers will begin with Kelly's synopsis, which will be along shortly. Without spoiling it, Dingus, tell folks what we saw this All week. All right, well, this week we saw A Most Wanted Man, mm. a 2014 British espionage thriller movie. Uh, Wait, what? British? Why are you calling it that? It's British. That's the way it is. 
Wait, I only noticed one actress with a British accent. Well, it's it's by what, what makes it British? Is it, go ahead. It's, it's a well. The, all the producers are British, including the executive producer who also wrote, wrote the novel. It's the only accent um, recognized, though. So. so it's it's uh it's all British money. It's a it's listed in the uh, in the trades as a British movie. Dingus, would you call Constant Gardener a British movie? Uh, I'm not talking about the theme or the setting Which, of the oh, movie. Well, Constant Gardener is also a John le Carre novel. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and so is there's there's plenty of them, but but this particular movie is is considered um, by those who uh, produce such things because of the production as a British production. I wonder too if it has to do with like where the money came. Yeah, from. yeah, that's that's all it has to do with whether whether or not it's considered an American movie or a British movie or a Chechen movie. It's it's where the money came from, and Jean Le Carre is indeed an executive producer of this. Uh, not that he put any money forth, indeed, um, but where the money comes from and where the production is actually considered to be ha- homed is it's a British. Uh, it's considered a British movie. Right. Maybe Kelly can help with this as well. Uh, I'm, I'm always a little uncertain about saying his name. I've certainly Kelly? Seen him written, I've read some of his books. Yeah, yeah well, Kelly, can you? No, Kelly, can you help us with the name of the author of the book? Well, I know Lacar is British for something. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's British for right. Renault. Yeah. Um, well, is it Car- Dingus? Do you? I, know? I just I'm just following the What's accent. The question? There's an I, accent yeah. on that e, and so you ha- I think you have to respect that accent, even though it's a pseudonym. So he puts an accent mark on his pseudonym. What's his real name, Kelly? It's on? like Sheldon Halsby or something. <laughs> Stephen King, I think, is actually, is actually Stephen King. Oh, God, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, so, uh, okay, good. So I interrupted you, Dingus. No worries. Uh, so 2014 British espionage thriller movie about how to make the world a safer place. Isn't that enough? Uh, it was directed by Anton Corbin. Not British, I don't think. Is he British? Do we know? No, about he's him? from uh, the Netherlands. Dutch. I think he's from the Netherlands. Oh, he's a Dutchman. I love the Dutch. Awesome. That's where the money comes from. <laughs> Who doesn't love the Dutch? Uh, I, uh, oh, I could be wrong about that, but I think he's from the Netherlands. Um, and written by Andrew Bavel, based on the novel of the same name by Jean Le Carre. Eh? Uh, it is the last completed movie of Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it stars him with Nina Haas. Rachel McAdams. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Robin Wright. <laughs> and uh, Gregory. Sure. What'd you say, Kelly? I was just saying Robin Wright's cool too. But you know, Rachel McAdams, fucking looking into the sun, kind of, huh? Uh, finally, uh, Gregory Dobrigin. <laughs> I apologize on the pronunciation. I didn't get to consult with my pronunci- pronunciation expert before recording this. But I think I think Isa is played by Gregory Dobrigin. Uh, a most wanted man is rated R for what? Yeah, it's rated R for smoking. This is this uh-huh. is no PG thirteen use. Is not uh, this? Yeah, and it's not the smoking. Are you ready for the list? Are you ready for the list of things it's rated I'm R ready for? for? I list it up just so I could hear, hear what you're going to say. Hit us with it, Dingus. Start us out, Kelly. One, it's going to take a while, so you might want to make a sandwich. Go ahead, right. Dingus. A most wanted man is rated R for language. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? Uh, is the... the <laughs> 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 Kelly Wand went to quote-unquote make a sandwich. He <laughs> <laughs> was expecting a lot of list. His sandwich is filtered through water, it seems. We got you unaware, sir, Kelly Wand. It's a resin sandwich. A resin, really? I am. Uh, on Metacritic, most, a most wanted man is at 74. That's the average rating from 
reviews. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, this is the percentage of them that are positive. A Most Wanted Man is at 91%. Uh, this is not a big commercial release. Uh, it's already been out for a month. Really? It's made for, uh, yeah, this opened. Uh, it had a limited release, I think, back in July. It's been out for about a month. Um, so the fact that it's made $14 million, it's kind of neither here nor there. It's not that kind of movie. It's not a meant to make money. Uh, Speaking of making money, though, boy, the uh, Robert Rodriguez's Sin City movie tanked. Oh, Which my. Did, <laughs> what, did it make less than this movie? Uh, yeah, well, all told, it, it, I think it opened to something abysmal like $6 million for the weekend. Uh, it was number four, I didn't it might have been number five or something. So this weekend, it was a fairly slow weekend, Guardians of the Galaxy was number one. Oh, yeah, it came back. It came back, and it beat the, the Turtles movie. Um, wow. And... Um, uh, I think then it was maybe If I Stay, the Chloe Mort's Grace thing that Dingus closed his eyes for during the what? trailer. It's, that's the worst thing I, I've ever heard. Well, I started to close my eyes during the trailer, but then I thought, this looks like some young adult schmaltz. I'm going to watch the trailer anyway. So I watched the trailer, and sure enough, I was absolutely correct. And I found it hugely amusing that I was watching this trailer for this dopey young adult romantic comedy while Dingus had his fingers in his Why ears. Why did he have the... Why don't you just give me a... All you have to do is give me a nudge. Come on. No, uh, no, 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 I'm with Tom. You go into all that trouble. Go ahead. Her name right. How, why would you be with Tom? <laughs> What's her name? Chloe Grace Moritz. It's Chloe Grace Moritz, but I can't get used to that. It's Chloe Moritz Grace to me. She's going to add a different sounds word. sounds weird to me because you've said it. Wesley. She's going to add a different word to her name. It, yeah, it and then she gets married. She'll be nay. Chloe Moritz Grace will never get married. She marries John LeCar. I watched the video. Okay, as long as she doesn't marry some douchebag actor, I'm okay with it. You mean Taylor Lautner? Oh my god, imagine. Kelly Wood. Is that really a thing? Is she dating Taylor Lautner? She's too cool for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, I think If I Stay might have also even beat uh, Sin City. So Sin City just. Well, we didn't even care. That's usually a barometer. I don't think, yeah, I think it's, a, it's very much a dead brand. I, it's I, I, too long. It took too long. I think even Robert, Robert Rodriguez is kind Robert of, uh, like, his, especially the Spy Kids things have petered out. The Machete sequel yeah. didn't do well. Um, I, I feel bad for the fella. He's, uh, I think he doesn't get encouragement correctly. Like, because we like Machete and Sin City, it mean we may go, well, may keep, keep making those. I didn't like either of those, actually. You didn't like Machete? Uh, I, I like yeah. Sin City, the first one a lot. Okay. No, I, I have to go back. I mean, I Planet Terror, I, I adore. It's uh, you didn't like the first Sin City, didn't? Not really. No, except yeah. for me, I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I love watching Mickey Rourke, and but, but otherwise, no, not really. I think I like Machete too, or chunks of it. I don't know. Literally, get it chunks. Well, then you should have gone out and seen Sin oh. City: A Day to Kill for and supported Robert. I feel Rodriguez. like Grandpa movies. That's the thing. It's like, uh, like Spielberg. Crystal Skull, Grandpa Spielberg, like the like Rodriguez. You can just tell he has kids, and there's something missing. No offense. That might be it. Like, I, although I, I'm pretty sure, isn't uh, Sin City a Dame to Kill for like a rated R kind of thing? Yeah, like but he's place? not the same dude. Okay, well, uh, I, you haven't seen it, you don't know. No, but I just smell it coming off. I don't know. What, what do I know? You know what? It's probably better than the first one. Well, you, you, America feels the same as you, Kelly Wan, because they didn't go see it either. When you said you like Machete too, I was going to make a joke, but do you? No, you I like Machete. Mach- I didn't see the second one. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. Alba, the second one. 
Uh, I don't know who's in the second one. Isn't the second one the one where Charlie Sheen plays yes. someone with a Hispanic name? Like, wasn't that the gag in the trailer? Oh, the first five so. minutes of the first one are good, and then I think I just pretend the rest of the movie doesn't exist. Remember when Danny Trejo was kind of like this cool guy you would see loitering around in the back of a movie? And then he became kind of a... I don't mean a joke in the sense of he's ridiculous, but it became a joke to have him be the lead. No, that's not the problem. He'd be a cool lead. But there's much. Uh, no, no, Kelly, he, he, no, he became of sort of a parody of himself, I'm afraid. But yeah, and there there are a bunch of really low budget horror movies, including some of that crap from the Asylum that they put him in the lead. In, uh, and yeah. I just I've just seen him in some really awful stuff. And there was a time where it's like, oh, it's Danny Trail. Look, I love that guy. But now it's like, ew, it's a Danny Trail movie. Well, uh-huh. I I still he I stand by my I blame the writer with Danny Trejo. If he's put well, fair enough, right. <laughs> right. like Dwayne Johnson in Hercules. Uh, not not a comparable situation. What are you about? Sorry. Brent Ratner, but, Danny Trejo, what could go wrong? I don't think there's anybody to blame. He just cashed in on success, and that's where he went. I mean, that's as far as yeah. I hope yeah. He could, yeah, he's probably sitting around in a nice house. Bless yeah, his heart. Good for you know? him. Or more power to you, Danny. It seems yeah. like we uh, you guys pick on the wrong people. I'm not picking on him. I just I don't I don't have to like Machete. Uh, no, but Tom's like, like oh god, Danny Trejo movie. But it's, no, no, Tom, Tom's the same way. If he wants to cash in on success and do it that way, more power to him. I mean, he's going to make he's going to make some money. He's going to get a nice house. He's going to take care of his family. Good for him. And and he's going to entertain a whole bunch of people. But, but if he'd I, been an assassin and most wanted man, and it would. But I don't have to like it, and I'm not going to blame the writer. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Kelly, wanna, here's your homework. I want you to look. To find for me the best, most recent Danny Trejo movie you can find. Um, is he in Sin City? The first one. <laughs> I don't know. Prob- I don't is know. He in, he's in Planet Terror. You're beloved, isn't he? Uh, Take that. Man, I'm going to feel silly asking you this, but who was he in Planet Terror? I don't Terror? know. He's, probably he's, not. he's just throwing out things. I don't think he was in Planet no. Terror. I guess he's long. probably not because he was in the machete trailer between Planet Terror. Right, you know? right. Yeah. So yeah, I thought you made me think well, for a minute that I didn't know it. Planet Terror as intimately as I know Planet that Terror. That counts as p- part of the movie, though. Okay. <laughs> the shorts do not. How many of those shorts have been made into full movies? Hobo with a Shotgun, uh, 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 the the Danny Trejo Machete. Um, what are the other? There's the fake short about like the SS werewolves. Did that ever get made? But at least two of those fake trailers got made into terrible full blown movies. What was movies. the other one? Kelly, Hobo uh, with a Shotgun with and shotgun. Machete. Yeah. Did you see Hobo with a Shotgun? No. It sounds like it should be a Rutger Hauer movie. It is. It's a Rutger Hauer movie. Uh, Jason... Uh, what's the director's name? Uh, I thought it was terrible. A lot of people love that. Uh, Who made the next one? Or the Don't? What was it called? That was the really good one. The, oh, there. that's right. Right. That was a funny there, one. That's see, that's they should have made a whole movie of that one. Yeah. Well, you know, you couldn't spin it. As, as we saw from Hobo with a Shotgun and Machete, I don't think you can no, spin the writer. jokes out of uh, you know what else you can't spin out into a full-blown movie, Kelly Wand? A parody of a, rom- a romantic comedy, hence they came together. You just don't get it. <laughs> you know what? You're too much of a romantic to get the jokes. Kelly Wand, wait, 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 I have wait, a One last thing I want to cut that shit yeah. out. Uh, Grindhouse is – you know what sucks about those movies is in Planet Terror, there's a Rose McGowan sex scene. And in the Kurt Russell one, there's a lap dance from What's-Her-Face on Kurt Russell. And both of those get cut from like the Grindhouse version. So you got to like find them later. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. There's an awfully hot uh, Rose McGowan dancing bit at the beginning of Planet Terror. Though. Yeah. Okay. It's not enough too. for you though. Well, no, and then the lap dance thing was filmed but not used. I'll blame Quentin Tarantino for that. <laughs> I blame the writer. 
Uh, sure. Did you guys ever see the movie Animal Factory? Sure. Yeah, that's uh, Steve Buscemi and is Danny Trejo. Yeah, that? yeah, that's that's yeah. the last thing I remember him where I really felt like he was doing something a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. Here's another Based on the Orwell. Is, is he in Heat? Uh, oh. I think. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of um, Dad Gummit, not Graham Greene. Oh, I'm such a white dude. Uh, who's the? It's the Mexican Don Johnson, though. No, it's the guy who was the evil Indian in Last of the Mohicans. West Studi. Uh, yeah. Is it West Studi in Heat? No, he's in that Deep Rise. He's in Heat. No, West Studi oh, is in Heat. That's what I meant. Yes. Is yeah. Wait, is who? That's the um, real issue, Tom. He, <laughs> he is he's one of the one policemen, of the dudes. isn't he? Uh, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Dingus was keeping silent for a long time, sandbagging us. Yeah. At any rate, speaking of sandbagging, <laughs> Kelly Wand, why don't you tell us a little bit about the plot of A Most Wanted Man? It's a fairly intricate, quote-unquote, thriller. Uh, I'm sure that the listeners who maybe have seen it or maybe who haven't seen it and don't mind it being spoiled and are considering seeing it would love for you to tell us and unpack for us the events of this intricate movie. Maybe give us a brief synopsis of it, if you will. What do you think that would be called if you had your... I would call it a most wanted monopsis. (laughs) Dingus, you're better at this. Uh, I would call it a most wopsis monopsis. No one's good at it. All right. (laughs) That's why why we ask you first, Kelly. A most wanted monopsis. Some words are all location classified, the date Europe. Due to (laughs) no... Due to 9-11, the United States decide, (laughs) singular, it's finally time to start refocusing on Germany. (laughs) A bearded Russian hobo gets to Germany. (laughs) (laughs) I think that IMDb ops just rubbed off on me. Was all the hobo talk earlier just to lead to this? No, there's other weird coincidences you'll find along the way, just like the movie teaches. Bearded Russian hobo gets to Germany from Moscow by swimming. <laughs> I lean over to Lazenby beside me, watching the movie through a newspaper, and go, I guess getting there is easier now that Bush tore down the wall, huh? Since the Russian dude's trying to lay low, he stands in a... He st- <laughs> Fuck! I hate reading. He stays in an apartment full of Muslim grandmas. <laughs> Meanwhile, in whatever the German CIA is called, although he used to have a glamorous position in Beirut, now Philip Seymour Hoffman stuck in a position of high authority 30 minutes from Paris and lame-ass Amsterdam with running water. He's still bitter about this, so his cigarettes and tie are crumpled. His job's to drink heavily and tell the chief of police not to arrest people. His assistant's Helen Mirren. What? Yeah. Isn't it? Not even. <laughs> Ethan. Her job's to smile sadly. The police chief saw Einen unen bearded Schmimmer today. Tomorrow David Schmimmer's blood in streets, Herr Hoffman Zee. That was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman's all clown. That's the meanest thing you can call someone in a nation full of little cars. <laughs> I lean over to Owen Wilson. <laughs> wow. Really? That's sweet. 
I lean over to Owen Wilson and Eddie Murphy and go, Man, I've felt this bad for Philip Seymour Hoffman since he had to outact Tom. <laughs> Shooting this movie in the Alps or wherever in the dead of winter with a bunch of desks and William Defoe really makes you appreciate the guy's commitment to realistically portraying the ennui inherent in an industrial post-Cold War. Holy fuck, Rachel McAdams riding a bike behind? <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of trench coats, uh, my, my dick German high-fives me. She rides her bike into the Muslim grandma apartment. The Russian dude nods and hands her a letter. She looks at us and reads aloud. Dear, I guess my only son, Gary Ruskyovanovich Skivadanya, if you ever wind up swimming to Frankfurt, please give this to William Defoe. <laughs> Documentation probably won't convince him since he's a banker, or as they say, banker. <laughs> In which case, show him this rusty nail, enclosed, hopefully. Finally, Dadsky. Yes, also, whatever you do, be sure not to trust Claire Underwood. I'm afraid the final three letters are in German. I lean over to John Lacari and go, I always keep cyanide in all my teeth, just in case. The Russian guy as Rachel McAdams take this letter to William Defoe to collect his dad's inheritance. When she comes back to him, he's all, yeah, actually, I don't want it. Declining inheritances turns out to be a Das Kapital offense in Germany, so the cops chase them all over town but forget to look in Rachel McAdams' apartment. I lean over to John Lacari and Lear. Of all the places I'd look first for anything, know what I'm saying? Speaking of getting my cover blown, he looks at me like I'm the owl from Tinker Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Seems on purpose. To persuade Rachel McAdams to betray her values career in young, handsome Russian who's cleaned up well, Philip Seymour Hoffman has her kidnapped and slams her into a couple walls. By similar methods, he also gets a couple in a bar to dance with him. There's some reaction shots of binders, spreadsheets, microfiche, and filing cabinets. John Lacar nudges me each time. The music's all, something lame's gonna happen eventually. Finally, after even putting webcams and microphones all over Rachel McAdams' apartment fails to yield anything strokeable, and Philip Seymour Hoffman tricks his paperboy's uncle into donating rocket launchers to charity, Claire Underwood puts everybody in some cars with bags over their heads, including the drivers, and everybody drives off, although Philip Seymour Hoffman has to arrive separately since they ran out of bags. A newspaper's all, cars involved in five-way hit-and-run in banking district caused by CIA declared savior of the city. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I turn over to John Lacar to ask him what I've learned, but he's busy getting compromised. The end. <sighs> Thank you, Kelly Wong. Very well. Very well done. <laughs> Went better than I expected. Just didn't feel it. Uh, did you say you didn't feel it? Kelly Wong. Come on, you should have felt it. Uh, all right, let's see. So, um... <clears throat> I meant to watch the trailer for this to see if the trailer tries to sell it. Like, I'm imagining the trailer, of course, shows trick. The, you mean? Well, I don't know. Do they show the cars at the end? Because there's not a lot of traditional trailer fodder. And I would be curious how they were selling this. I saw a lot of Hoffman, but since – and I thought, oh, it's like that Paul Walker movie. But 
um, brick mansions. Sure. My favorite way this movie was sold was was hearing Tom give the review of it to the usher as we left the theater. It wasn't a review. It was a disclaimer. I didn't know <clears throat> what he was looking for and just wanted to warn Did you. Did go softar? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say to the usher? Uh, well, we we uh, when we saw it, Dingus likes to sit and watch all the credits, and I'm willing to humor him. <laughs> I put my fingers over my ears during that part. Because <laughs> you, you want to avoid Mjolnir at the end. Yeah, I don't like the music. Uh, and as we were walking out, uh, just a, a very friendly, and this is awfully cool of him, uh, Usher uh, said, hey, what did you all think of the movie? And I said, uh, I, remember I, said I think I said something like, yeah, it, was, it was good, um, but kind of slow. You know, I just thought he should be warned. <laughs> you told an Usher that? that? Well, yeah. No, oh, I said, have you, I, I said, well, have you seen it? And he said, no. And I said, well, it was kind of slow. Because uh, I thought, you know... It's, well, were you playing his zone, or you thought it was a slow movie? I, well, it is a yeah, slow movie, and I, I'm okay with that. Like, I have no problem with that. So is the American. Oh, yeah. This director has done, uh, so far, just I've only seen this in the American. I don't know what else he's done. But his trademark seems to be slow burns like this. Um, so, I, I don't know. I just thought the guy should... No, he he looked like more of a Guardians of the Galaxy type fellow. So. I think the slowness is critical to how great the ending is. It has to be that slow. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank God Rachel I, McAdams uh, gave me something. I had no idea, by the way, that was Rachel what? McAdams. You guys, oh, just, that's amazing to me. I mean, she's fine. She's an attractive woman, but Dingus knows her from some Canadian TV show he's always talking Which about. She's, she's great in this, uh, uh, this Canadian TV show. This is where I first discovered her in this show called Slings and Arrows. It's, it's basically about a, a Canadian um, a theater troupe uh, putting on Hamlet. Uh, and it's a really good show. It's a really great show. And she, she's just, uh, I think she was, uh, nine months old. Um, but she's, inc- she's just so vibrant and so interesting. And I, I was like, who's this kid? Uh, and then the other stuff I've seen her and I've really liked her. I mean, save, you know, Sherlock Holmes where she's just, uh, mired. Oh, movie. right, right. Um, well, I think of her as, um, uh, in that, Killian, where the Killian Murphy is the evil guy on the plane. What the heck is that? Red Eye. I never saw that. Is that it? Yeah, I know her from Red Eye. Yeah, Red Eye is fine. It's, uh, and then I also know her. Uh, I haven't even seen it. I'm sure Dingus loves this movie. Isn't she the female lead in Morning Glory? Yeah. That Harrison Ford. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay. Mean Girls. No, but, uh, but I recognized her right away, and I thought, uh, I, you know, I, I was really impressed by her accent. I thought she did a great job. Mm-hmm. That's well. That's that's part of why I didn't realize it was her. I thought this was some Russian model, especially when you have Will, Willem Dafoe running around doing an, an, an English accent for some. Weird reason. Oh my God, what was he doing? <laughs> was, yeah, he know. must have been oh. like plugged in at the last minute or something because she bothered to do an, a uh, a German accent, and he did whatever the fuck he wanted. Wait, to. I thought she was Russian. What? Wasn't she supposed to be no. Russian? I don't. What? Know. I can't. Rachel McAdams. She's a German lawyer. Yeah. She's in Germany. Her father. Her father's a German judge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, are you getting her mixed up with the colleague of Philip Seymour Hoffman? No, that actress is named Nina Hoss. Nina no, Hoss. That's her. And by the way, that's one of the things I really liked about this movie yeah. is how uh, how pivotal uh, female mm-hmm. characters were yeah. to, to the action. Yeah, uh, yeah they, they wind up they, causing everything. They're like uh, – well, they, they triangulate around yeah. him and all have very – and there's three yeah. of them with uh, Robin Wright as well. I love in a John le Carré story, and I don't know if it was part of the adaptation or if it's part of the book, 
Um, but it became increasingly apparent, and it, it didn't start out that way. I just thought it was going to be more dudes doing spy stuff. Uh, and as these women came out and had these different positions around him and around the storyline and around this whole theme of deceiving people with affection and kindness, uh, I was so glad that there were, there were just three really memorable female characters in there. And I loved Nina Haas. Man, mm-hmm. she was just awesome. Just the way she would look at Philip Seymour Hoffman and listen to him and – um, and you guys obviously smitten with Rachel McAdams, <sighs> lovely woman. Nina Haas is awesome, and I love their relationship. Their relationship is the best thing about this movie, as far as I'm concerned, because every time he walks past her, he touches her in some way, and yeah. and that's so obvious. And I and I just wondered what is the nature of their relationship. Uh, I I just love I love the way the two of them work together and man i will i will see nina haas in anything she she was so genuine so real i loved her all right dingus there's a a goofy german vampire movie called we own the night about three hot german vampire chicks so there you go european vampire movies always have full sentence titles (laughs) (laughs) hunger right well that's not european is it uh isn't it a british movie look you know what i mean But I also like how, uh, you know, how Nina Haas kind of plays Rachel McAdams' character over to this idea Mm -hmm. of, you know, you're close, get him emotional, you know, you you can push him a little harder, you know, trick him with affection. Um, You know, I loved how that was kind of, in a way, the point of the story is this one woman teaching another woman how to uh, use affection deceptively uh, to get the information they needed, which seemed like. That was the whole approach for Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. Like they had this whole different, uh, and and as a, a a movie too, and at, at a time when things like enhanced interrogation and how do we get information from people, um, like I love that this was this different take on it. Um, yeah, he gets played too. That's the thing. He 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 plays the other two perfectly. I mean, not that he plays you know Haas, but like he knows her intimately. Like so. So right? hold on a second. Um, I assume we all liked this. No, I thought it was really bad. What? Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. What do you you mean? were the Dick Taylor who had to convince Dingus it was good. Oh, right, right, right. Well, I don't, and Dingus, I don't think it's still sold on that. But no, I, I don't think it's quite at the level of Tinker Taylor or even, I would say, Constant Gardener. Because I, I love the some of the look and the visual. The aesthetics of Constant Gardener is such a powerful part of what I love about that movie. Uh I don't. Anton Corbin did a really cool uh, Mediterranean take in um, in the American with George. I didn't Clooney. see that. I wish I had now. Uh, I like this way better than the American, but not quite as much, I think, as Constant Gardener and Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. But I, no, I loved this, uh, and I, I'm, I'm, yeah, obviously we see, all I, right? Yeah, I read Tinker Taylor right before I saw the movie, and then I, I was glad I did because I thought it was a really complex, intricate story, and I felt like if I hadn't, I would have been kind of lost in the movie. And I thought Dingus maybe was a little lost when he saw it. Uh-huh. No, no. Like uh, you love, you love this, did, you, did you read no, this? No, what I'm saying is like I went into this like I didn't – I hadn't read the book, so I was kind of nervous of it. It's not, it's not as intricate as – No, no, no. But I also was like – it was such a slow burn. I wasn't. I go. Is who's the traitor? Like what's? It was sort of played into my like expectations of what a spy movie is. And like he wrote this only what like six years ago, and he was an ex- executive producer on the movie. So I wasn't sure what that would mean, as opposed to like a Cold War era. Like Smiley's his signature character, isn't it? Like he's in a bunch of his books, and this was like a singleton. Uh, so maybe I was like 
stoked that I followed it as well as I did. I guess I was expecting to be bewildered more. <laughs> but I loved everything. I loved all the acting. I thought Poppin was amazing in this movie, and all the women were. And I loved how it unfolded, and I loved how abruptly it ends. I thought it was perfect. So, Dingus, are you the dissenting opinion? Here? Oh no, no, no. I, you know, I, I, I didn't know this was a, a based on a Jean Le Carre uh, novel. Uh, as we were watching it, I had no idea, and I know for a fact. I know for certain now that I've looked, now I've looked back, kind of thought about it, that that you that you Tom have to have mentioned that maybe a, a, few, a couple of months ago when when we were talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman, you said this was a movie he had worked on. Uh, I'm almost certain that you mentioned that. But as we were watching it, I had no idea that it was based on a novel uh, by uh, Jean Le Carre. Right. Um, and as as we're watching it, they, they have this one scene where they're in this glass-enclosed uh, – the, there's this the conference room that's enclosed in glass in the middle of like an office that – so so evocative of Tinker Taylor of that centered like classroom that they all meet in, and I was just like, "Wow, this really is like Tinker Taylor." Uh, and then we get to the end, and it's based on a novel by, and I was like, "Oh, of course." But I I, I see I see this as sort of an accessible Tinker Taylor soldier spy. Yeah. For, you know, it's it, you know Tinker Taylor didn't work for me. I think this works for me. It's because it's a little more accessible. Um, but I love I love Anton Corman's work. I loved The American, even though it's super. It's even slower than this is, but it's got such a it's got a couple of great sequences that you just that are just eye popping. And then he did a, he did another movie before that that I've talked about before called Control. Oh um, right, right. The thing about Al Jazeera. Stop it. <laughs> no, it's, it's that Joy weird Division, biography actually. about a musician. Yeah, what? I don't yeah, know. Good it's, a, it's about the guy from Joy Division. And it, and who's the actor in it that you keep telling me to watch? Oh, jeez, I can't even remember now. Uh, okay. But I love that movie so much. Uh, it's a and it's a, it's a black and white movie about uh, about Ew. lead singer of Joy Division who uh, and it's it's beautifully done and it also has uh, Samantha Morton in it and she's really great. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, I was I I, re- I was really nuts about this movie. I really really loved it. Um, but it, you, I do kind of have to sort of look at myself and say you, you like it because it's a Tinker Tailor that you can understand. Well, I do That's think not a bad it's thing. it's not a bad thing, right? Absolutely, and um, it, it's I, I, it, the slowness too. I didn't. This is a two-hour movie, and I didn't feel like it felt like a no. I didn't movie. either. Yeah, um, it, it's slow in the sense that it, it's it's very methodically mm-hmm. paced, and you know things. You, you have to really be interested in watching small, quiet moments between people. Uh, and in that regard, and it's slow in that there are no action scenes. I mean, there's a funny moment where. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is chasing them, and you're like, okay, this is their action team. And they, he even briefly runs towards the camera for about, you know, 10 yards or something and then stops. And that's kind of the equivalent of uh, its action. It's, like, it's when he runs out of the club, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, okay, there's our chase scene, and that's fine. I didn't need a full blown chase. I didn't need a born supremacy kind of deal. That gave me just enough adrenaline. You have a, you have a bar fight as well? That's right, yeah. a bar fight, not even in focus, if I'm not mistaken. It take, he walks into the background and punches someone, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's uh, the thing, those red but, herrings, this weird pacing when you're not sure. Like you're expecting, like well, you said, that long, a long chase scene after the club. But. Well, Kelly Wan, tell me, you said you thought the slowness was uh, integral to what makes the ending work. And I, I kind of feel like the ending is, uh, it's one of those movies where the ending is the point of the mm-hmm. movie. And I want to talk specifically about that, but why do you say, say 
that the slowness is crucial to what makes the ending work? Well, because it's, it involves him having to very methodically, brick by brick, like convince all these other people to do what he thinks is the optimal thing, and he's trying to like make up for his Beirut thing, and he and he finds out that it wasn't even his fault. So there's even more at stake, and the fact that she tells him that winds up being relevant. Like I think that makes him trust her fault, like more than he would otherwise, because she tells him. But for things to follow, for for the end to have the the impact that it does, it has to have had that level of build, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. Like if there had been a bunch of chase scenes and shootouts, and he was some badass yeah. dude. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. But step by step, he does everything right, and it still doesn't matter because he's. I think I like stories where we're the bad guys. I think that was what was intriguing to me about the we as the Americans. Yeah, the Master and Commander books too. Like I, I, I think when we're kids, we're never. Well, certainly, also uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Yeah, you know, yeah. the Americans are the ones pulling the strings and playing everyone, and that's uh, as well. Yeah, but it's also um, like you're watching a machine part. I mean, you're watching. I mean, he he describes uh, Philip uh, Gunther describes his his group as this small group that stays under the radar and they make the weather and uh, and he thinks that's valuable. But I think that that's just a machine part that the Americans and the and the larger political German structure use to keep the greater machine going. And I, I mean, I really love that sense of the movie, and that's why yeah. that ending is so powerful because he. Mm-hmm. Because of the way he, he walks away from the taxi and gets in his car and drives away. <laughs> so, And then parks and gets out of the car and disappears. And exactly, yeah. I mean, that that was uh, that's sort of part of what sealed it for me. I mean, I love the fact that he gets in and drives away, and I was fully okay with the scene where he's just going to drive away. But then he stops the car and he gets out and just walks off screen. I loved that. Yeah. I, that, that was just a great final touch after a great final scene. Because um, you, you think in so, another movie he's going to track them down and shoot somebody and drag the guy back and do all these other things, but but right in another movie. But even in this movie, I thought, okay, we're watching the end. You know, he's going to cut to him driving away. But even then, it wasn't. He even just left the car and disappeared into the city. Right. You know, it wasn't. And yeah, in another movie, definitely you would expect more. But even in this movie, I felt like it was a little bit of an an added surprise. And it's his there. own car. I mean, he's they're, right. they're such a low budget operation that you know when he's flashing his lights at Willem Dafoe after that meeting, it's his own car, and he he drives it in there in that same sad black van. And I just love the the what the, the scale of their operation and that what exactly what you describe is at the end he's finally just walking away it's just beautiful uh so the, the there's a couple next to me and after the movie while the credits were going the girl said i did not like that ending what <laughs> the guys, and the guy said to her oh, it was pretty good i thought <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> the car I wanted to hear more from them uh but then they got up and walked out she didn't like it was a bummer well i here's my thing about what i loved about the ending um on, on many different, so the story in a way is kind of it's about betrayal, and uh, it, it's about uh, being being tricked into expecting some some affection, some 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 real connection with somebody, and then being deprived of that because it was just being used for manipulation. Um, I, I think that that same thing exists with us, the audience, the people watching this movie on several different levels that I found hugely effective, and the first level is. 
you are expecting that Philip Seymour Hoffman throughout, you know, you find out that his obsession is with Abdullah and you're expecting he is going to, and he wants this. He's going to have that conversation, that encounter with Abdullah. He knows these encounters. He's done them before. We see how good he is with it with Rachel McAdams in that room. And he is, he's yearning uh, the same way that someone might yearn for love, for instance. He's yearning to be alone and to, to corner Abdullah and have that conversation with him and win him over to his side. Um, and the whole movie is building towards that. And we think, even as an audience, we are going to get to see that. And we are looking forward to it. And we as an audience are deprived of that in the same way that Gunter is deprived of that moment. Right. Um, and and that, that, that's a powerful feeling, that, that sort of, of frustration. And, and furthermore, I feel, and this is an unhappy accident, but it's undeniable, uh, it, it's, I'm keenly aware as I'm watching the movie, and specifically in that scene, we as an audience are also deprived of additional performances mm-hmm. by Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Um, you know, it's almost like it, it's not quite, you know, it's a different level when you see Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Um, but here, this is a movie about being deprived of connections, um, about being deprived of, of these encounters you're looking forward to. Uh, so it creates this powerful feeling of frustration and despair on a couple of really important levels. And it, of course, mirrors how, how he feels. Um, so, yeah, I loved that ending. Uh, and that, you know, I, I liked so much about the movie. But one of the hardest things to do with any story is end it well. And, man, they Anton Corbin and John le Carre uh, did a great job with this ending, I thought. Which do you think is a better send-off movie? This for Philip Seymour Hoffman or uh, that James Gandolfini, Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie? Oh, well, you know, wow, that's kind of a weird way to think of it, but there there was just some, well, you know, there's so much warmth in Enough Said and in the character that James Gandolfini plays, uh, and it's so uncharacteristic. Uh, you feel like you finally got to see this great big teddy bear of a man and just hang out with him. And here, you know, what Philip Seymour Hoffman must have been going through and his own personal frustration, uh, you kind of... That's he's channeling so much of that in this movie, and just that unfettered, you know, it's the best f bomb since yeah. all is lost. You know that that yeah, and he's so mm-hmm. quiet and reserved throughout the movie. I mean, I, you know, John Le Carre likes characters like that. I guess it's it's one of these movies about a man who's deceptively unremarkable. That when he finally does get to let loose with that, it's it's in a way really it's just a great release for him for us um but there's just so much anguish to it so kelly i don't know which is a better send-off i hate to think of them that way but it's a good question do you have an answer no. well sadly i think james gandolfini has another movie that nobody's ever seen oh there's something about yeah there's some like new york what? mobster movie. but as far as we're concerned i understand what you're saying oh because i thought it just can't like it came out the day like within a week, I thought. Well, I think for me, watching I, I, what I remember saying and feeling when we saw Enough Said was was just getting to see that side of him that you don't often see in Enough Said, and just feeling just such a sense of loss of 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 all these facets that that he had yet to show because of the you know of the the characters that he had played and and the way that we perceive him and and seeing him in enough said and Tom sort of described him as a as a big old teddy bear and he was just he was just so endearing and funny and and sad but beautiful i mean it, it, there was just there was so much of a sense of what else can there's there's so much more that you could show us. Uh, this this is a different sense for me because I, 
we've seen so many different things from Philip Seymour Hoffman, and 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 it it's not it's not the sense that wow you've never shown us that you can do a German accent before. It's it's the sense that <laughs> you know as you aged, you you were gonna shoot you were gonna play so many more interesting roles and so many more beautiful things and bring so many other characters to life uh, that I. I already know that you can do almost anything. You played Truman Capote for fuck's sake, um, so it's it's kind of a it's it's a different level of poignancy. So I, I I don't really know how to answer that question other than to say that that both of them feel tragic to me. It's a loaded question. I probably shouldn't have asked it, but it was it, while Tom was talking about the last shot. It did make me like compare final shots that we see of those guys. Right. Uh, I do love how, though, it, it taps into one of my favorite things about Philip Seymour Hoffman as an actor, and that is uh, his, his unique – I don't know about unique, but his his attentiveness when he's listening to another mm-hmm. actor talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember noticing this way back in, in Happiness, the Todd Sullins movie, when uh, Cameron Mannheim has this gruesome monologue. I think it's about – cutting someone up in a freezer or something and he's sitting there listening to her and he's all throughout the scene and they're I think they're eating an ice cream sundae and I just remember looking at him and thinking man this guy is like really in the scene and he's listening and there aren't overt reactions uh, in doubt you know when, when he's listening to someone talking uh, and in this especially the scene with Jamal when Jamal comes to him and says I can't do this anymore I want out and he's listening and he's nodding and he's taking in everything this young actor is saying and there's also, of course, the relationship with the characters they're playing, but just the way that he's, you know, just his attentiveness in that scene and how he's present. Um, and the way that, you know, there, there's this weird, when he hugs Jamal, um, it's just, there's something electric about him interacting with another actor like that. Even uh, even when the, Jamal won't hug him back, you get that sense, that sense of just the power of the of his affection that he's trying to surround this man with. Which I don't. Which you wonder too. I mean, as the movie goes on, like it's fake. He doesn't right. feel well, that. Like it's a I, lie. I don't know that I agree I because so much of this movie, and you, you talk about this great sense of frustration, Tom, uh, earlier. So much of this movie for me is about an interaction of fathers with children, and and, and, a, fr- and yeah. a frustrated and disappointing and criminal and disgusting, uh, uh, and disappointing fathers. Um, and I think that that. His his reaching out to Jamal and his protectiveness of um, Annabelle Richter, Rachel McAdams' character, uh, is this sort of paternal instinct. I mean, he has this weird sort of interchange with Willem Dafoe's character, where he's like, you know, you, you could uh, you could go off and and fuck her if you want, but I, I think that's going to be a mistake. I think there's this there's this great. Yeah, I think there's this. I think that he is trying when he when he tells Jamal when he's trying to reassure Jamal, and yes. He's trying to get what he wants. I mean, I'm not naive about that. When he tells Jamal, you know, what you're doing is protecting him. You're not betraying him. You're protecting him. Um, I think that there's a, there's an element of trying to protect Jamal. So I, th- I think there is a certain sincerity and paternalism in that because of the, all the other father imagery that there is in this movie. And I, I think there is maybe some of that too with his uh, interaction with is her name Erna? What's that? Yeah, yeah, Erna. You know, Erna. With Erna and, and I guess with Rachel McAdams. I mean, there is this kind of paternal. One well, in the bar, he doesn't need to get involved in that fight, but he chooses. You know what? You're right, Kelly. When he goes over and he defends yeah. the woman, that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. Did you get uh, any uh, any other heat between him and Erna though? 
I mean, there's that kiss that they, they – I mean, she says, you know, she's not my type. What is your type? Well, you're my type. Right? And you always knew that. And then right. He her. Money uh, penny. I, well, I get the sense that it is a kind of thing that she's perfected like she's learned from him. That, you know, you use affection to get what you want and she teaches it to Rachel McAdams' character. Uh, and okay. I, I certainly wondered about that. And there there are moments where she's looking at him and, I, and you, you know, you, you do wonder, is she supposed to be in love with him? Uh and it's just subtle enough that I liked not knowing, yeah. uh, and I liked having you imagine. Way. And I think yeah. it's like even if even on approached on that level, like that's a connection they have is they both when when she comes out out of Rachel McAdams, he's like, yeah, good work, like instantly, right? right. Yeah. So he they just work together well. And plus, just between us, I kind of found that I kind of like having feminine energy around me in general. Like it helps me work better. <laughs> <laughs> like I just. In, I don't know. Why is that just between us, Kelly? <laughs> I don't know, because it sounds kind of creepy, maybe. But <laughs> I don't think so. What I'm trying to say is we should get a girl on the podcast. Oh, oh, I see. Right. No, I, I, would, I, I think any podcast would benefit I don't from think I don't have to have sex with them necessarily. That'd be great, too. But, like... Well, Kelly, having... isn't Dingus our feminine energy? Yeah, I don't know. Girls are. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, how did you guys feel with uh, – first of all, Kelly, I want to have a question for you. No cheating. Don't look this up on the I internet. I never do. That's too complicated. Don't write it down with a pen. I just want to know straight up, spell for me the word Beirut. <laughs> really? That's an easy one. Come on. Yep. Do it. Go. B-E-I-R-U-T? Jesus. Is that wrong? <laughs> asked me earlier today. I was like, B-E-R-I-U-T. <laughs> he was like, really? Wait, what? Like, no, I think it's B E R. I just wait. You didn't. You couldn't spell. Shut up. I couldn't either. I, I kept writing down the different thing. It's like none of these look right. It's a really <laughs> short word. You guys are weird. Wait, what? Top spelling was Beirut. <laughs> you guys are so weird. And Dingus didn't call. The awesome thing, Kelly. I don't think Dingus called me on that. He was like, "Oh, yeah, he's just he's like, oh, that, I'm insulted that you. Hey, didn't that you? Oh. Oh my God. No, as soon Wait, as I not- came in here and was writing my notes out, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> well, I told Dingus that. <laughs> if kids spell it, shouldn't write. I'm just saying. So uh, one of one of the, uh, I think, trademarks of a – so one of the things that sets apart these kinds of spy stories from something like Zero Dark Thirty is the difference between a procedural and a personal story. Uh, and of course, there is uh, overlap. You know, there's a there's a lot of hint, stuff hint. Well, there's some stuff hinted at about Jessica Chastain's character in Zero Dark Thirty, um, whereas in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, a procedural is part of it, but a lot of it's about Smiley's past and his, his being haunted by uh, Carol. What's the name of the spy? He's he's uh, dogging. But at any rate, a-, a lot of it's about, oh, no, a lot of it is about uh, uh, Gary Oldman's character. Oh wait, um, sorry, dumb. Whereas here, there's how did you guys feel about the split here between procedural and a personal story about Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and background? And, and see, John Lacari is a former spy, so his stuff always like that's what's fat. That's another thing that was really cool about the slowness is I get the sense that's what spying's really like. It's about just like setting shit up over long periods of time, and there's a lot yep. of drudgery and paperwork, and you got to just it, a lot of it's probably really boring, which mm-hmm. to me is fascinating. It's a fascinating way to live and like choose to to devote your life to that. 
Did did you feel though that they created well this idea? You know, obviously because in a, in a well, movie like this where it has a personal background, you've got to create this sense of, of of past. He's haunted by some sort of a past incident, or it ties into something about his personal. It leaves life. a lot of it to your imagination, I think, like you mm-hmm. were saying, and that's what's one of its strengths, I think, because we're really not sure whether how deep his relationship with with his colleague goes, or uh, how much he is playing Rachel McAdams or anyone for the mm-hmm. greater good because he seems capable of it but at the end when he says fuck like maybe it's just maybe i'm like it just seemed like he was saying fuck for all of it like all the people that he would promised like he would promised jamal that you're saving him and all. like i think that was and like that was even a fuck about yeah. all the way back to beirut for yeah. instance right so yeah. that's what i think i think on that level because i think tinker taylor soldier spy is way less of a cinematic it was way less of a cinematic read in the novel. Like it was a really complex story with a lot of different characters over it just had a lot going on and a lot of it had to do with its intricacies. Mm-hmm. Um but in this it felt like it was way more tailored, if you will, to <laughs> the screen. Like it seemed really digestible and it had just enough characters and it was written in two thousand eight after a lot of of his books have been adapted, so maybe he was thinking more strategically. Lacar was when he wrote it, even because it just unless they cut a bunch from the book, which would surprise me, I guess. Uh, yep, yeah, sure. Dingus, how did you feel about the um, the, the sort of backstory stuff? It, you know, I I think that it it stays appropriately backstory. I mean, I, for me, this movie is all character. Um, the the procedural stuff is uh, it's interesting but it's uh it's backstory it's color uh i mean if this if this were more of a, a procedural i guess uh daniel Brühl would have had a much bigger part and it wouldn't just be him like sitting in the bar and 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 uh pretending to uh to, to kiss his fellow agent or or be there with her at a table there would be more of that type of stuff um the 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 more important things to me are are how Gunter really cares about and, and and he I think he when he says things you oddly can take them at face value um the the I we we agree that he's innocent or uh, or how he wants to get uh Annabelle out of all of this when he says that to Willem Dafoe he means it he says I, I want to get her out of this out of what out of all of this I think he means those things and I think that at this point in his life, and maybe at all points in his life, and that might be his flaw, that he actually is uh, is sincere and wanting to protect people and actually, actually make the world a safer place by by being a better human <laughs> in, in these situations. And that's why he's such a fascinating character to me. And and while you see, like, uh, cameras being put in the ceiling and, and, a, and a room being set up to interrogate somebody, that's that's not the point. It's It's all... For me, it's all theater sets for these humans to interact and and for character to come forth. So that's the most important thing to me. Well, I would say based on uh, you know the the as a procedural part of the procedure is using affection, using trust to trick other people. A part of the procedure is him talking to Rachel McAdams in the cell. Rachel McAdams talking to Issa. Um, you know that that's you know whereas you might have someone doing paperwork in another movie, that's part of what uh, uh, makes yeah. this kind of a procedural. You know, you don't have. I was so fascinated, by the way, with Willem Dafoe's process of going to look up those cards and opening a lockbox. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah. I was so confused by like, I'm like, why is that guy going into people's safety deposit box? And every box he opens <laughs> is just like files and stuff. 
and it just turns over and it, it comes to like a name. And it's like this weird, um, super old analog to Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> yeah, or something. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or instead of boxes. I loved that. But um, I, what I'm getting at, and I guess it didn't strike either of you, is they obviously touch on this idea that he was haunted by what happened in Beirut. Um, you know, there's a, a point where he says to the ineffectual head of the German police, whatever, have you ever seen blood on the streets? And you get the sense that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I I, and maybe I was comparing it too much with the backstory for Smiley and Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, but I kind of felt like we either didn't need that or I wanted to know more no, about it. Oh, it's important. Well, they mention it a couple of times, but you don't really get a sense for – like why is he so uh, hung up on Abdullah, for instance? Why is that at the top of because his whoever is Because that guy's really highly placed, so if they catch him and turn him, which is his goal, they're going to get someone really, really good. And that's what okay, really fair, right? So it's 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 a it's it's a strictly well, it's a, it's just part of his procedure. Right. It's part of his job. It's not a personal. I didn't. Session. I didn't take it as something Beirut related. Well, uh, well, right, right. But, but then what happened? Like I just kind of felt like when we find out Smiley's relationship to, and I hope I'm not screwing up the name, Carell, Carol, the other spy, his Russian counterpart. Wow. That's such a huge part of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Uh, Constant Gardner's not a good example, but. Uh, when these these past events surface and their relevance to the current events is makes a connection, it feels really gratifying. Like, oh, you know, it was a, it, almost like with Chinatown when Jack Nicholson comes back to Chinatown at the end of the movie. When that past catches up with the character and the personal relevance of this character's story then ties into the, the contemporary events. Those are these great electric moments to me. And I kind of was hoping something like that would happen with the, Be- the Beirut thing. Instead, it just kind of felt like a little... No, it was because Robin Wright was the cause Sorry. of it. When, Mar- when Martha Sullivan says, we... We yeah, blew your, your car. We, it's our fault. But right? she bitches him again. <laughs> That's fucking irritating. I agree but she's that. also clear that she she's ruined all of his contacts. And and the, and yeah. the blood on the streets thing is she's well, not she, but she's she's admitting that yeah we did that we killed all of your people or we we ruined all of those contacts for you and for him that's the blood on the streets is personal I mean I I, I, no, I got all that absolutely yeah so so at the at the end when that happens again to him after after he's made promises Same, yeah. which I think aren't just procedure but are I think that's part of who he is uh, I think that that's 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 what the real Real awful thing for him is he's made promises to Isa. He's 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 made promises to uh, Annabelle, and now all of those are lost because he's again. It's learned nothing. And so it's the same thing that happened in Beirut, but it's it's him being human. I mean, I think that he's a human part of this, and he keeps his operation small so he can stay human. Why does humanity cost him? Yeah, like he trusted Robin Wright because he gets ground up in in the gears of. Of the the larger machine, he he neglected something. Don't you feel the movie would have been better with an extended flashback to Beirut? What? <laughs> Wait, so you're trolling us? <laughs> no, I, I am serious about. I, I felt like the Beirut stuff was a little obligatory. No, I'm, I'm completely facetious about. Wait, it. you're saying that if if Robin Wright hadn't, if that's if that thread hadn't existed, and Robin Wright had no, we have no. It's just that it felt a little obligatory. That here's the sh- the the you know discredited spy, and he's haunted by something he's that happened a long time ago. Something, and no. I don't want to 
Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, okay, it could just be enough. a bunch of different things. What I did like was this this sense of because I wouldn't I would have had no idea of the difference between Hamburg and, and Berlin that that that's like being sent to Siberia or something. I did like, by the way, that it was shot. I presume it was shot. Yeah, in Hamburg. It was. I did like that it wasn't a recognizable place. Like we never see a movie yeah. in Hamburg. <laughs> Uh, so I liked this this idea that I didn't really know where we were, and I didn't have much of a sense of reference for it. And they do, though, make it clear that when he gets called to do the dog and pony show, ooh, this is in Berlin, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that Hamburg isn't even Berlin. Uh, the Beirut, so I did quite like that. One last thing about Beirut, though, like it also sets him up as what we like. He's a terrorism guy. He's a counterterrorism guy, so we know he's like a badass. Like he wasn't just some pencil pusher who's now in Hamburg. Like he was right. in shit. So he, you know, we know he's. He's not just you know blowing smoke up the police. Well, right, and he go he comp- he knows how to punch a dude. Yeah, like, that's part of his training. Yeah, like that. Uh, can uh, I ask talk you guys about something? Yeah. I, I just want to ask you: um, Do you get, did you guys buy the weird pseudo romance between Issa and Annabelle? It's Rachel McAdams, which makes me wonder, like, if she hadn't been involved like what philip seymour hoffman would have used because he has like a really easy like once he gets rachel mcadams on board you can trick any dude into like any defectors i I just i don't know did that work for you they never um have sex i guess so they were both young and attractive and i kept i was a little worried that when he shaved he was going to be somebody famous yeah i thought thought, is guy pierce going to show up what's going to happen i was i was thinking more like a national or something but um, yeah, so when it didn't turn out to be someone famous, and I really just liked how obviously beaten down that that guy was, that actor's performance. Um, yeah, and that's I a tactic it. And, by that point. Yeah, and he didn't make a like they didn't kiss. Yeah. you know that was hugely that's, important to me. Um, it didn't it didn't easily slide into you know him compromising his principles. Um, I love that the movie had, by the way, in the credits, uh, a, an is not I think it was like a Muslim advisor, mm-hmm. um, and that they did things like you know he was. He wouldn't. He, he, he obviously was uneasy around her, yeah. and the Abdullah didn't shake her hand, for instance. Like I, I liked this this sense of separate Muslim culture that they were showing. Um, so yeah, I guess I bought it. Were you saying Dingus it didn't work for uh, you? No, it didn't or, really work for me. I mean, I, I do like what you're saying because you want Rachel McAdams all to yourself. Yeah, I, I would prefer to annex her into my own little private. I'll share. Uh, I love the way she looked on that bike. Her, you know, she's got a great looking. Any, anyway, yeah. but um, but there's, the- I mean, the movie was careful to like show like him touching her hand as he hands her something, and and then they have this this hug, and you know he's not allowed to touch her um, based on that culture he's not allowed to do any of those things so that's that's you know forbidden but i i didn't get i I didn't get why what go go ahead sorry well that weird hug thing too where he just kind of pushes himself against her he doesn't put his arms around her he's not i don't think he was kissing her it's not really clear but it's just like he kind of almost nuzzles her like a cat or something when he was really sad i loved that i loved it too but it's it's also for me it was a little tense because he moves over over top of her and then comes down on top of her and you 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 know he's already said this story about his father being a rapist and 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 there's this weird tension between or supposed to be this weird tension i don't know where the movie's going to go with that but he ends up just hugging her and then moving away which i like those elements of it but i didn't get any sense of heat between them or or why why he would well, yeah, I wouldn't think with it with that well go ahead sorry i'm cutting I, off. I just didn't get any sense of why why you know why uh, Irna says he wants you? Well, yeah. I mean, because oh. she's the only woman in his world. I mean, because he's, I mean, you know, he's wanting to come live in 
the West, I guess. And I mean, it's she's seen the way that are, he looks at her. And what are his other prospects? <laughs> well, that, that's certainly true. I mean, but it's not like, and forgive me for saying this, but when you know when Harrison Ford winds out, winds up out. Oh my God, Dingus! Where are you going with, with, this? with Kelly McGillis? Oh. I mean, there's there's actual heat that happens between this, and <laughs> and she has other prospects, but she's interested in him. Yeah. That's still a, such Hollywood heat, though. I mean, that, That's, and I love where this as much as the next guy, but this is clearly a, a man who's a devout Muslim, a Chechen, and a Russian who has not been around women, certainly. Like, the, the heat, I, I'm glad there was no heat. I mean, it's one of those examples where I wouldn't want a witness kind of scene, and I'm glad they resisted the temptation. Um, but I didn't get, I get what you're saying, Dingus, but I thought I, I really liked that about right. it, that there wasn't heat. And, right, yeah. fair enough. I said, Did you like that actor, by the way? Uh, Gregory de Brigan, that guy, the guy who plays Isa. Yeah, well, I yeah. thought he was cr- incredible. I, yeah. I thought he was great in every level of what he was doing, and I, I just and like you, I was like, the, this guy has to have been in something. I don't know what else he's been in. Uh, mainly Russian movies. Yeah, he's a little too good looking. I, he cleaned up a little too well. That was a little Hollywoody. But well, um, they have to talk Rachel McAdams into being with him. <laughs> I mean, why would Seymour Hoffman? Yeah. <laughs> he did look like he could be heading up some band or something. That was <laughs> you're right, actually, Tom. You're right because when he first does, he shaves. He when he first comes out. He's still got like all this like weird sort of patchy scruff. And then a couple scenes later, it's like perfect. perfect. Yeah, <laughs> they do clean him up nicely. But I I like that guy. I like every the whole way that he does it from when he's in his hoodie until the end of the movie. I think he does a great job. Yeah. It's also uh, good I, misdirection too, because you go, "Oh, great! Here comes this schmaltzy romance." Stuff. Right, exactly. I know yeah. what kind of movie this is. I, I read in the unrated cut. Robin Wright has two brunette wigs. One, two, three. Not only you and me got one eighty degrees, and I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three. Peter Pan, Mary, getting down with three feet. Everybody. There's a there's a reason Anton Corbin's other movie is the Merkin. Kelly, all I can say about your assessment about Robin Wright's wigs is the figure is correct. (laughs) That's my favorite Willem Dafoe line in the movie. The figure is correct. God, what the? It's like you can tell if he's supposed to be English or German in that. Can he even act anymore? What's going on? No, come on! Did you really not like Dingus? Oh no, I didn't like him at all. Are you serious? Oh my God! He was supposed to be the English accent thing too. Like maybe that's his. Real. Oh, we have a we have a Willem Dafoe hater on the podcast. I wasn't aware of. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Can he even act anymore? Jesus, dingus. Well, look, he's an awesome Green Goblin, but beyond that, <sighs> I don't know what you did like though. That's so cruel. I, I didn't believe a thing he was doing. Uh, dingus, see a movie. There's a movie shot in uh, New Zealand, also slow but beautiful, um, called The Hunter with Willem Dafoe that I think you right. should see. Uh, very quiet, uh, not a lot of dialogue, and um, uh, yeah, so I, I quite liked him in, in that. Um, yeah, he, he's, you know what, he tries different things. <laughs> in this movie or everywhere? Yeah, all over the place, you know, he's he's trying a little German, a little English, a little bit, uh, yeah. But he's, he's, not, he's in over his head. I'll totally justify anything I see in this movie. Rachel McAdams, fuck yeah. I don't understand you guys' deal. She's fine, she's attractive, but what? Well, she's amazing. I think you mean well, she's, she's, she's like still, a she's fucking fine. No, here's what she's. See if you guys agree with me with when I say she's no Bo Garrett. 
What, the chick from 10? How dare you? From Tron. The chick from Tron. Oh. Which one's that? Wait, Cindy Reynolds? Which one's that? The one in the tight white outfit who dresses... Oh. Um, the... Meh. Wait, you're comparing... Ra- you guys are fucking weird. <laughs> they just goes to witness to go... That's a good example of that's a relationship I believed in, as opposed to this bullshit. She's no Garrett Hedlund with a real Russian. Oh, yeah. Wait, Garrett Delahunt, you mean? How dare you? Big. Tell me what tell us about this for extreme Russian. Uh, even the listeners didn't like it. Uh, how do you know? Because I saw how many wrote in, and it was it's a little low for the last couple topics. But I think I don't know. Here's the thing. It's three movies that take place in a single day, which to me is always a really interesting um, choice in a movie. Because the implication is like, this is the biggest day in their lives. It's like, by the end of the day, they won't even, everything's going to be super different. Although Mammy Blues, it's kind of like, it's just another day. Okay, well, let's, so let's, let's, let's just ding the number of movies Kelly Wan brings up before he... <laughs> Let me take off my list of Miami okay, Blues. Done. Mention that no one's seen Miami Blues but me. Who directed that? Didn't the guy who directed that just go off and do nothing else? It's that kind of movie. He's like just disappears so. into the crowd. Like P.S. It, it might be my favorite Fred Ward movie. Dingus, Jackie Brown. No, no, stop it. Wait, uh, right Wait, stuff. Oh, it's Frederick Forrest. Dad Gummit, I'm such an idiot. I confuse those guys all the what? time. Doesn't everybody... What about Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins? Uh, it smells like hamburgers, that's what the guy tells him. So Fred Ward, Miami Blues. Is it Frederick Forrest? Who's the guy in Jackie Brown? That's Frederick For. No, it's uh, it's Forrester, but not Frederick. It's Robert Forrester. Robert, Robert Forrester, Forrester. Yeah. isn't it? What is he the one in the conversation with Cindy? Frederick Williams? Forrester's on F Troop from Ser- Serious Man. Oh, I'm, I'm, I meant to bring up the conversation we were talking about. Oh, man. Spies? What equipment? No, just. Just the, the the way the um the way the most wanted man ended reminded me of the conversation. So. No, let's. I can't. Hey, anyway, moving on. All right. So anyway, name, my number three. Yes, Kelly. Name Martin. two movies Gene Hackman and Terry Gar were in together. Close Encounters and <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Bob was the second one. Yeah. All right, I'm done listening. To you. My Let's number three here. favorite movie that takes place in a single I day. Asked. Is uh is time code? Ugh. Why don't you pick a movie I saw? That's a new rule. You're not allowed. To... You've seen, you've seen oh. time code. So oh. so did Kelly did Kelly give his rules at all? Do we do we nail him down on what a single day means? Well, I have a very loose interpretation of my rule. Okay, I'm sorry. I asked that question. Go ahead, Tom. Well, it's within a 24. Is that hour the one with the, the four screens? Yeah, it's the Mike Figgis movie. I only watched one fourth of them. I'm gonna, I'm just I'm gonna watch this. I'll just keep an eye on just one thing at a time, and then after the, f- the first one, I was like, eh, Selma Hayek. All right, you missed uh, Gene Triplehorn and Selma Hayek making out. Really? Nice work. Second. Yeah. I guess I watched the wrong quarter. <laughs> <laughs> I just saw Pattinson uh, in a limo for an hour and a half. Oh, my God, that is one of those, isn't it? Although, after the rover, I, I should maybe give that another chance, huh? Uh, I thought that was Taylor Lautner in that. <laughs> Taylor Routner hasn't done his rover yet. We're still waiting on He's that. got – it's going to be – trust me, 2015 is going to be his year. Okay, I've said it. forward to it. So that's how we um, – If the guy from John Carter uh, of Mars – what's that guy's name? Taylor Kitsch. If Taylor Kitsch can have his year, so can I Taylor forgot Routner. to – and Kellen Lutz is also this year. 
It's Taylor, Taylor Kitsch. Taylor Kitsch not had a theory. Um, no, Expendables and uh, Hercules. But wait, I was going to say, um, I should have forbidden like found footage movies. I think that's cheating, and like Time Code's technically a found footage movie. Yeah, it is because you're looking at it. Because there's no, no, there's no cam- there's no camera what? awareness. Uh, Time code is a movie. It's not a found footage movie. There's not a found footage movie. The idea is that the camera is actually shooting something, and it's part of the action, and then we find the. Okay, well, I, I meant found on. footage or footage movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, video counts as found footage. Uh, well, Time Code is, and I've talked about it before, I, I, I think Time Code is a genuinely good movie as well as a fantastic gimmick. And one of the gimmicks, it's entirely real time. Um, so that takes place within a day. And when I think of movies where – and that's integral, by the way, to what makes it work because uh, at one point, the four quadrants, they, they actually connect at certain moments with either an event that you would experience across all four quadrants or – with characters converging into the same room uh, from the different quadrants. Um, so the actual real-time aspect of time code, hence the name, uh, is a huge part of what I like but about it. But the fact it. that so it's one number- day doesn't mean much. It just has to do with... It kind of does because it is sort of like, hey, here's these uh, you know, 15 characters. Here's something that happens to them today. For some of them, it's uh, super important. And for one of them, it's even his final day. Hmm. There you go. Uh, but you're right, Kelly Wan. Not as much as some of the other. It's less day centric and more. Oh, look, four screens. Oh, look, now it's four fourths of a dude's face. Well, it is day centric <laughs> in the sense that it is. Real I'm time. guessing at the it, ending, it, but I assume that's what happens. Well, it never cuts. Like, right. It's never. So. Are you sure it's all one day though? Of course. Because yeah. of the because it says the date in the corner. It's all the same ninety minutes. It's all the same ninety minutes. It never cuts. It's never, it never stops showing you so what's happening. I, the- I forgot to mention one of the rules is it has to show the full day or it doesn't count. That's what we wondered about. Is did you mean twenty four hour period? Yep. No. You said within no, a day. Yeah. No, I didn't say that. And I didn't mean- okay. Well, then I'll, I'll have to think of a new one for no, time no, code. No. But for now, my pick is time. Acceptable. Code. Dingus, what is your number three choice? My number three choice, uh, here's a quote from it. Isn't everything we do in life a way to be loved a little more? Uh, yeah. super the, the it's super schmalty. Uh, it's the notebook for smart people. It's called, Bef- it's called Before Sunrise. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Of course. So once again, yeah, Dingus. The, okay, yeah, the titles on. aren't allowed to allude to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, the the movie begins in the afternoon of one day and ends at uh, I don't know before um, something before at a certain point and <laughs> when things happen on days he's running uh, out of titles I say <laughs> on the next day uh, I could have chosen I think any of the three movies but I went with Before Sunrise because of how much that movie rocked that's the first I saw it and I I love that you chose this topic Kelly because <gasps> there, cause there's a couple of things that you do uh, that make me very happy there, there's one of the things that you do is uh, you will launch into like I, 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 I love movies that do such and such and it's like you just came up with that at the moment but now you love all movies that do that. Um, but for a long time, you've done two things that that I've noticed that you really love in movies. And one of those is movies that take place in a day. Um, and the other one is movies that take place from the point of view of uh, a specific character. Um, like 
like the example I gave this afternoon when I was talking about this that you do is like fish tank. One of the things that I, I remember you loving about fish tank is that it's basically from the perspective of, of a single character, not point of view as in like a camera shot, but just the perspective of a single character. And I know that you also love movies that take place in one day. So I loved it when last week you rolled out this topic because I know in, in at various points in the past of this podcast, you've said how much you love you love that as as one of the things you love about movies is is things that take place in a single day. Um, so I really appreciate this topic and and Before Sunrise was one of the first ones I thought of. Oh, see, I can't say anything against Dingus's topics from now on. You, you certainly can. You're, I, next week we will we will reset to zero, and you're welcome to pummel me. Uh, I mean, topic wise. Um, well, the third thing I like is high, telekinetic high schoolers. Well, I think everybody knows that, but that's. That's goes without saying. That, that doesn't take anybody to uh, to recognize that. So far, if we were to look at all the movies that are chosen for this topic, Dingus's wins the award for the movie most likely to be mistaken for a vampire movie. <laughs> Kellyanne, what's your number three favorite movie that takes place? But in Tom, America? is it a complete sentence? But Julie Delpy was an American Werewolf in Paris. Not a complete sentence. Uh, it's a is in Paris. All right, Kelly Wong, go ahead. When you're done having a sandwich. One sec. Oh, okay. So my number three, uh, I'll do a line from it. <clears throat> I know. Oh, it's when Han Solo says, "Yeah, no, it's Luke Skywalker." He says, uh, "He says I know," like because because uh, uh, Han Solo says, uh, "Does anybody care?" And and uh, Luke Skywalker says, uh, "I know." See, I think Empire Strikes Back was the first movie I saw that does take place in a single day. <laughs> no, it does, from. dude. You never see a sunrise, and then I know people. I know the listeners going to go, no, but Hoth is obviously he has to spend the night out there. But Hoth has like a day-night cycle of like an hour, so there's like a 24-hour period that takes place. See, because they're in space most of the time. So, huh. are you being serious with us right now? I'm telling you, it's all one day because everything happened, and then like Luke becomes a Jedi in the same amount of time it takes him to like drive to Bespin. It's all one day. My number two favorite pick for a movie that takes place in a single day. Uh, you guys haven't seen, and I tried to get Dingus to see it, but he can't be Sorry. bothered. Um, uh, there's a movie called Lock, oh. um, starring, starring Tom Hardy. Um, most movies. Uh, come to like like one of my favorite things in a movie in a story a book uh is where the story hinges around and leads up to a character making an important decision you know watching characters make decisions uh difficult decisions uh can be hugely gratifying if the characters are, are well written and well acted um and more gratifying in a way than a fight scene or a shootout or whatever i love watching characters make decisions what Locke does, this movie, and I won't say too much because you jokers haven't seen it, <laughs> is it turns the formula on its head and it opens. You have no idea what's going on. You have no idea what's happened. You see a guy literally at a crossroads and he makes a decision. You don't really even know what it is. You don't know the significance of it. You might not even see in the movie be aware that he made this decision. What happens in the next 90 minutes um, is a hugely compelling 90 minutes of watching this character deal with the fallout of his decision. 
And it's in a normal movie, he would make the decision and the credits would roll. This movie opens with a decision, and then we watch him fixing the damage, working through the implications of what he has done. Um, and, and Tom Hardy, the, the character, the, the performance he gives in Locke, it's every bit as amazing as what he did in Bronson, which is crazy, over-the-top showy stuff. But his character in here is so calm and well-spoken and collected and competent. Uh, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. Um, so, and it, it all takes place in the course of this drive because he has to get somewhere. Um, so that that's uh, a movie that you, you jokers need to hurry up and see. It takes place in a compressed amount of time. And I love how it plays with this formula of, we don't watch the lead up to the decision. We watch the damage control after the decision. He talks through a speakerphone in Dark Knight Rises. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's a speakerphone on his face. That's why he's so powerful. But I want to see that movie, and I thought we were going to do a podcast about it, so I'd have to see it, because that's how I get to see things, by having to see them for this shit. Right. And you didn't right, make right. me see it, so I thought, oh, I guess you didn't like it. Kelly Wan, you have to see it. I've just made you see it. I've made you see it. It's like a prequel to Fury Road because he drives a lot. Don't don't ruin it. You just said you you just said it's the whole drive. Oh, I did, didn't I? Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) You like how I? I There's cars in Fury Road, so I guess we're even. (laughs) I think it's what's your number two favorite movie that takes place in a single day. All right, here's my uh, number two movie. Um, Here's a quote from it. Uh, well, I can tell you that this that I lost my gun today, and I am not a good cop. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't think of it as that. But it yeah, is, sure. totally is. I, I don't think of it as that until I really start to think about the movie, and then I realize, yeah, it does. Uh, and it, that it contained flat in them, and I wasn't really comfortable with with. Including them, because if you're going to jump into a flashback, you're not going to include the day. But uh, but Magnolia, um, when I really thought about it, it's like this epic in a day. Um, and and if you think about the pace of the movie and the way it starts, and that it does it it starts sort of I I think it starts with um, uh, with uh, John what's his name John C Riley's um, cop. And then it ends the next morning. Uh, it is contained within a 24-hour period. No, it's definitely a morning-to-morning yeah. Yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I love the idea because you know, at first I was, I was sort of thinking about Goodfellas, but obviously that doesn't take place in a day. It's, it's an epic uh, <laughs> that sprawls <laughs> so, so much time. Uh, uh, well, no, I was just thinking about this. when I – when I start earlier in the week, I just I just start thinking of movies I like and start thinking of, uh, well, what would this movie be? Because I really was excited about this topic, Kelly. Oh. Um, and and after hours is one that you could have used if Scorsese. All right there goes my number one. Uh, yeah, that what? is that is that is one that counts. Um, but anyway, Magnolia is 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 a hugely important movie to me and and kind of resonant based on a couple things uh that happen in um uh, a most wanted man. Not only that Philip Seymour Hoffman is in both, but that they have father issues in both. I think that the father issues in both are very important. Um but that that sense of it 
of so much happening and so much being packed and so many relationships being packed into a single day's events. Um, I just think that the, the more times I watch that movie, the more I just think it's a masterpiece. So, yeah, that's my number two. Kelly Wand, what magazines does Philip Seymour Hoffman order? In Hustler and Electric Company. <laughs> you know what's weird, though? The first time I saw that, I thought he was just getting them for fun. Yeah, we talked about this before. That's know. what I thought. And you, I think you were the one that explained it to me. That, what? Yeah, that's how he's going to find. I explained it to you. Didn't you explain it to me? Is that how he's going to find Tom Cruise's phone number? Yeah. Uh I think it's a hustler and a barely legal, isn't it? Yeah. What's another movie so, that barely legal shows up in, Tom? Twenty Two Jump Street, Boogie Nights. Uh, the character uh, is at a convenience store and he wants the barely legal, but he already has that issue. Oh, oh my God! Wait a minute! Oh Jesus! Oh, what Terminator is this? Three. Is it Paul Giamatti? Yeah. Uh, White Lady in the Water. God, what is That's sideways. Yep. Oh, because it's after... He takes uh, it back to the motel room. (laughs) Gosh, remember when people had to buy porn in stores? Yeah. I I like that he's so discerning. It's like, not that one, but the the other one. (laughs) Man. Porn. Kelly Wand, what's your number two favorite... uh, What is it? Day-long movie. (laughs) All right, my next... Day-long movie. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Besides Shay. Parts one and two. <laughs> Shay, wait, Shay? Yeah. What? Are you thinking of Shay? No, what? I'm talking about the Steven Soderbergh movie about Shay Guevara. Oh, Shay! I thought you said Shay. <laughs> Shay is, I mean, Siobhan. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. It's right. so crazy. It's crazy. Kelly Wand, your number two favorite movie that takes place in a my day. My number two yes. is on my list because uh, it doesn't even do the whole day. Um, but it's still, it's, uh, Miracle Mile. That's a really good day. There's, oh, well, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. I think it starts at a night, uh, beginning of the evening. He sets up the date and then. Well, yeah, it's an overnight thing. It starts at that diner that we've all seen on Wilshire. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Who directed that? I don't know. I can't remember. It's a John Hughes movie, isn't it? Oh, of course, yeah, because. No, it's not a John Hughes movie. Because Anthony Edwards is in it. Say, it's got to be John Hughes. (laughs) <laughs> Wait, is the girl Mary Stewart Masterson, or am I really dumb? It's not Mary. Uh, oh my gosh, it's not, is it? Isn't it like Leah Thompson? No, come on. It's, yeah, from Howard the Duck. Oh, you're getting uh, your girl. Oh, Mary Winningham. Kind of wonderful. I'm, which? Oh, uh, Mary Winningham. Right. I looked at it. Yeah, yeah. You cheated. I looked. At Wait, it, who directed sorry. it? Keep cheating. His name is Steve Desjarnet, and um, he's doing TV. Uh, he did Miracle Mile, Cherry 2000, um, and then a bunch of TV, Wait. including a couple of episodes of ER. Wait, Miracle Mile, Cherry 2000 is all one title? You don't remember Cherry, Cherry 2000? 2000? Hello. Melanie Griffith thing, that sort of uh, weird sci-fi yeah. thing? You've never seen it. I, uh, Kelly Wand, I would think that would be a movie you would know. It sounds like Heartbeats. Do you want me to read you the IMDb like synopsis? Generation yeah, read me the IMDb synopsis. I want to see if I want to see it. Here is Cherry 2000, starring Melanie Griffith. In the year 2017... Wait, the title's bullshit. Rich... Well, go on. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, a rich man travels to the ends of the earth to find the perfect woman. Uh, when <laughs> Forget the rest of it. Oh, oh, here we go. How long is uh, it? He finds that his android wife, Cherry Model 2000, 
has blown a fuse. So he hires the sexy renegade tracker to find her exact duplicate. But as their journey to replace his perfect mate leads them to the treacherous, lawless region of the zone, he learns the hard way the perfect woman is not made of computer chips and diodes, but real flesh and blood. So the guy who did Cherry 2000 went on to do Miracle Mile and then a bunch of TV. They both respond to compressed air, I found. I mean, uh, yeah, anyway, it sounds neat, Tom. I should see it. My number one pick for a movie that takes place in a single day. Um, well, I feel like, well, I feel like I'm going to validate Kelly Wan's stupid number three pick. Although it is within a 24 hour period. Actually, it's real time, but it's in space as well. Uh, and it's gravity because. Oh, that's good. Okay. Well, good. But it's your, I'm not saying your Empire Strikes Back pick is good, though. That's a terrible pick. But gravity's a good one. I thought about it. Gravity's a good one, and the whole point of day and night is part of yeah. gravity, too. Um, I just I wish it was all one shot, but the movie was 24 hours long. Have, have any of us seen Gravity on... Yeah, home? it kind of... It's. I mean, it's not the same kind of... What? Yeah, I can, but it does kind of suck me in a little bit, like, just because I want to see how long it takes her to get a handle. Like, it's like a drinking game I play with myself. <laughs> <laughs> grab, miss, miss, grab, grab, miss, miss. Well, all that stuff still has to look good, look right? Good. Even on a smaller fine. screen and the music, yeah. yeah. It's just like the when I first saw it, it, it made me, it made me feel like I was going to puke. I felt like acrophobic, like I was just in a good way puke. Like, when do we get to see Sandra Bullock in more cool stuff? By the way, <sighs> the Heat wasn't that after that. I've already seen that. Practical yeah. no, Magic was, was on today. I was watching. Well, the Heat too. The Heat too is a you know sequel. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, why are you wait, going? I thought uh? you didn't like it. The Heat? No, I'm the Heat champion here. You quit. No, you make fun of. Don't you slander me. No, I like the Heat. I'm the one that told you guys to see it, and you guys won't even listen to Dingus, me. Wait, Dingus, you, Dingus, I thought, right? How do you guys not see movies together and the Heat definitely not together? Because uh, well, I because I saw the Heat on my own, and then I told Dingus to see it. And Dingus, did you ever use McCarthy in the okay. household, and which used the Bullock? I think I know the answer to that. Never continue with yours. <laughs> well, let me just say that I wear the Spanx. <laughs> See, seen it? Yes, I have seen it. Uh, it it's, Does it take place in a single day? Uh, well, it takes no, a single day to watch it. It's an, it's another of those comedies that, that I feel uh, has about 20 to 25 minutes too much crap in it. That's true of most comedies. But it's, it's fine. Together, which is I, did, I didn't love it as much as Tom did, but I, I liked it. Kelly, I just want you to remember Dingus's opinion on MacGruber when you listen to him talk yep. about the heat. There, there you go. go. Yes. All right, so Dingus, your number one pick is The Heat, as far as a movie that takes place in a single day. Kelly Wand, on to you. (laughs) Now, all right, besides The Heat, what's another one of your All right, I'm sorry to bring the room down, but here's a quote from my number one movie that takes place in a day. Open the door, open the door, and nobody will be hurt. Godzilla. No, it's from, because I have a poster hanging up. Oh, Stranger Than Paradise. Wait, Assassination? It's similar to Gravity in ways. It takes place in a craft that is over the the ground, and Witchcraft. disastrous things happen on the craft. Right. Disastrous. Hmm. It's based on a true story. Oh, uh, um, Pearl Harbor. Spin <laughs> up like it's not yep, in this movie. We are not talking about uh, Pearl uh, Argo. Wait. Pearl Harbor does not take place over a day because they have to append the mission over to uh, Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo. That's what I meant. Yeah. 
Oh my god, you remember they that? They gave it a happy Because I remember that Alec Baldwin was in it, and it was just like, oh, we have to show this so that the Americans feel like they did something. They have to kill off one of the leads, so they have to, since they both survived the Pearl Harbor thing, which Michael Bay forgot. <laughs> did we even Oops. attack Tokyo afterwards? I guess we did. You never hear about it. They don't celebrate that day on December 10th, do they? You never hear about it. Uh, Josh Hart, uh, Okay, back what were you saying? So anyway, my, mine, of course, is a United 93, um, which uh, does take place over the course of a day. It starts in the morning. And, uh, and one of the reasons I remember that morning thing is, is that Tom brought it up, and, and very surprisingly so, uh, in a topic. I think it was about prayer. Um, and I had forgotten the way that United 93 opens in the very – at the dawn and uh, and then takes place, of, of course, over the course of one of the worst days that you know I remember uh, as an adult um, living through as a country. Um, so the way that Paul Greengrass directs this day um, – that was my favorite movie of that year, and uh, I think it's an incredible uh, vision of of one day. day. So there you go. Not even. I mean, it's just it's all, it begins and ends in the morning. I mean, yeah. It doesn't even. Yeah. yeah. I thought about outlawing biopics, but <laughs> <laughs> what would United ninety three be a biopic of? A plane. Nine eleven. It's a nine eleven biopic, like World Trade Center. So they're, they're biologies, like when people – or biologies, biographies, when people write about 9-11, it's biography. Can you, can you name one other biopic that as, takes place in one day? Uh, dog Day, Afternoon. <laughs> A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. Is that <laughs> Silent Running? Um... Isn't that Lincoln thing? It's all one yeah, day, Yeah, and right? so is Patton. <laughs> in fact, anything with a name as a title is one day. That's right. It's one day. <laughs> I read it in MPAA press release. The biopic of Patton Oswalt. That's, that's a good challenge, though, Ding. It's like, how can you make a cool biopic just showing one day in the life of a famous That would character? be a great thing to do. <laughs> Henry VIII, I think, right? does that. I don't even know I think it's a is. movie. Hmm. Also, uh, that Civil War movie you guys always talk about. Killer Angels, Gettysburg. Gettysburg. Not a biopic. You don't have a biopic. A, a story of a battle is no, not a biopic. a city – a corporation's a person, so a city is three people. <laughs> There's got to be some biopic that is only one car- one day. Maybe a Mendel story. biopic because <laughs> he's a biologist see, or something. Geneticist? Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Okay. Yeah, I'm refusing your reference. Sorry, Kelly. I'm not accepting it. But I will accept, Kelly Wan, your number one pick for a favorite movie that takes place in one day. Wait, what did I say that one time? Accept your bluff that he thought was funny. Yes. No one accepts a bluff, idiot. You call, you a call it. No exceptions. Get it? All right. My number one is uh, Dingus uh, Dedication, or should I say Dreadication? Because <laughs> uh, Dread, a movie that Tom's too dumb to appreciate. But me and Dingus are exactly dumb enough to appreciate it. It takes place in day, and it was really exciting to both me and Dingus upon realizing, wait, the whole movie is going to just be just this one day, and it's just like a day in the life of dread. That's the thing I was going to say about Empire Strikes Back that was good, like why I consider that a day. is like crazy day in the Star Wars universe is like – it's like action-packed. Like you start out on an ice planet, and you wind up frozen on another planet. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when you have a wipe in a movie, it's it's not never a single right. day. Uh, let's concentrate on movies first. 
Mr. White Master. What are you talking about? Uh, Dread, Dread 3D is a movie I saw, and afterwards I thought to myself, huh, I thought Carl Urban was going to be in that dun, movie. Dun, 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 His best feature is in it, and it's in it a lot. It's in it so much. And then you made that – did you do the best um, – pictures of movies and you put that dread picture up of carl urban's chin to taunt me and dingus but instead it backfired me and dingus just looked at it long like yeah dread bitches do you find yourself watching other movies with him like star trek and just staring at i hold my hand up actually over just over the part of the screen so i can only see it's not just his chin it's his frown above the chin it's like his whole face is just this fucking scowl of disgust what did you like better in that movie, Kelly Wan? That scowl or Olivia Thorne? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my fucking god. Oh my god. Look at her. Even blonde. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call that song you just wrote, Kelly Wan? Olivia Thorne. Be with me. I just found out she was in something that Ugh. I didn't I didn't know I she was, was in. That that I think we all really disliked. God, I was it was this week too. Juno? No, it doesn't. He was talking about Olivia Thirlby. He was talking about Olivia Thirlby. Why can't you? I tell you what, what is the listener? Oh, yes. I don't know. Okay, and then I'm not asking. Oh, no, no, no. It's it's not something that we don't like. She was in United 93, actually. What? Yeah, that's right. It wasn't, you know, I, I saw some other actress who was in something I didn't like, but she was in United 93. She's not in United. There's no actress in that movie. Dan. Yeah, it's a biopic. Yeah, my mistake. They even use the same plan. She, she's on. She's one of the passengers on the. Plane I don't even remember. I just remember when I was looking up the the specs for the movie and trying to, you know, you know, I, you know, regardless of the fact that I don't, I don't trot out the the year and the and the director anymore. Um, uh, I just I always look up the movie that I'm that I'm thinking about. Look up a, a bunch of quotes from it just to see that the wording's right, and then just glance at the actors. And Olivia Thirlby was in United Ninety. Three. I don't, I don't know who she was. I don't remember, but she's when she's in it. I imagine she was either one of the passengers or somebody they call. I don't know. Well, she hadn't been in anything before that, so it was her first movie. So that's why we. Oh, it was her first movie. It, yeah, I imagine it'd be very distracting to go back and see it now. Thanks for ruining the movie. For You're us, welcome. Yeah, you know, a palate cleanser would be to watch Juno, Tom. I've already done that. Been there, done that. Yep. Dingus, or not Dingus, Kelly Wand, what uh, what do the listeners have for us for their favorite movies that take place over a full day or less? Uh, oh, there was another letter, but it didn't have to do with that, I think. Oh, we should apologize. Oh, yeah. Dingus, we, you, we got, uh, somebody has been, do you know who this was, Dingus? Someone was sending us things and it was getting stuck in our spam filter. Right. Do you remember who that was? Uh, I don't. You know, Kelly's uh, in the in that particular email account, so he can look at the spam uh, folder right now if he wants. Wait, I'll but, read his follow up. Is it? Did he? Yeah, he wrote again. Did he, uh, said, okay, good. Because I because I emailed him. I said, "I'm sorry, this has been happening. We will mention you last oh, time you next time around." So, uh, you know. Stewart. Okay, good. Yeah, put him to the head of Grant the line, Stewart. Accept Stingus's apology and writes, anyone who mentions Salt and Pearl Harbor in the same email probably deserves to get siphoned to the spam folder. But he accepts our apology and wants to know why we call you Dingus. But I thought we – didn't we do that one time? Not that I remember. Uh, it's just – I, I who knows why anybody gets a nickname? Yeah, it's just a nickname that Dingus got stuck with. It, I do. It's, it's not me. It, it, no. Yeah, it, it other means, people call him that before you. 
Uh, I first heard it and uh, I did a, a silly movie that was about uh, Frank and Jesse James once. And in the movie – That's when you get shot in the head and you're a Pinkerton. Correct, yes. Okay. Uh, and in the movie, Frank James called Jesse James Dingus several times. And I just thought that was kind of cool. And I just kind of have this brotherly uh, regard for Dingus. So – or Christian Monaski, that's his last name. Uh, and so at some point, he had several nicknames. And the one that ultimately – we used to call him Amanpour, by the way. Because there was a CNN reporter named Christian Amanpour. And for the longest time, uh, Dingus was Amanpour. But uh, yeah, at one point, I just started calling him Dingus. I don't know for whatever reason that took and – it's been his nickname for, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years. 15, so. I would say 15 years probably. No. So and actually when we saw Assassination of Jesse James, I was delighted at one point to hear Sam Shepard call Brad Pitt. They play Frank and Jesse James. To hear Sam Shepard call him Dingus. Wait, so he's always <laughs> called that. Jesse Who James. Is? Uh, well, no, I think it's like a just a, it's like a little, it, it means little brother, I guess, in, in, in Western times. I don't know. Dingus. I have never looked it up. Um yeah. Does he like being called that? Did you? Yeah, he has no say in the matter. He doesn't. Doesn't matter, does it? Okay. So <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna take it whether he likes it or not. That's part of why it's like a little brother. You call your little brother that. He doesn't get to deny it. Does he? Have, do other people call him that though? If I can help it, they do. <laughs> My mom calls me that now. Does uh, okay. It is weird. Every now and then we'll be around. Does Chernin call him that? We've just met. No, his son doesn't call him that. We'll be around as, as a joke, maybe. But every now and then we'll be around someone, and I realize I have to shift and actually calling him by his first name because it might look a little odd. Hey, dingus. <laughs> right, exactly. And then you have to explain why, like you just did. And, well, I got shot in the head in a movie, and it reminded me of Dingus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but everybody basically knows it. But when Tom says the word Christian, everybody's like, what? What's yeah, that sound weird. There's a, this weird thing happens in the room. So there you go. Was that Stuart asking Kelly? One? Grant Stewart. Grant Stewart. So there you go, Grant. Uh, and again, we apologize for not checking the spam filter. Does Grant have picks for movies? No, he doesn't care yeah. about this topic. All right. All right. Who does this? Some do. Mm-hmm. Paul Weimer does. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he came in first, as they say on Ain't It Cool. Uh, hi, guys. <laughs> Trying to plug Ain't It Cool. I'm worried about their revenues. Three movies set within a 24-hour period. Time is ticking, so I'll get to it. Number three, Dread takes place in a long, hard day. You're kidding me. See, Tom? It's just you, dude. I'm okay with certain things about Dread. You also hate Lena Headley. Oh, that's not her name. I don't even know who that is. No, that's not her name. It's Headley. It's Hetty. See, I was doing a Blazing Saddles riff, but accidentally, because Corman brainwashed me. But getting back to Dread... A long, hard day in the life of the titular character and the rookie Anderson. <laughs> I love it when Paul Weimer tells us either the year the movie came out or the name of a character. Like, was barely in it. Begins in the morning with Dredd putting on his helmet. Tom. No, he doesn't. I think, doesn't it start with him? With He never takes the helmet off, right, Dingus? No. He always has the helmet on. It's crazy. No, it's... Is Magneto's hat a helmet? Yep. Okay. Ends the following morning after a hideous day and night in peach trees. I'm peach too. That's, I think, the name of a Hilton I've stayed at in Georgia. That's the name of an apartment complex that has miniguns in it. In the, oh, okay. That's what okay. the future's like. 
Remember that whole argument about how the drug makes time stop and that's why he has to throw over the edge because the, otherwise the bomb goes off and you're like, no, he's just being a dick because she's a woman. It's totally being a Wait, what do you mean? What? Yep. You guys are saying he had to do that or a bomb would go off? I think they just backed you because he was confused by the physics involved. But I saw it in 3D, so I understood it. Number two by Paul Weimer, Before Sunrise. Many people will pick this, but I was charmed by the spontaneity of two young people taking a chance in a magical city on a magical (laughs) evening. That's that's IMDb. IMDb. (laughs) You know what? I like when the listeners channel IMDb, whether they do it on purpose or not. (laughs) <laughs> two, many people have picked this but I was charmed by the spontaneity of two young people taking a chance in a magical city in a magical evening number one 12 angry men that's right Tom a badass grandpa movie that not only takes place nearly in one room but in one long drawn out afternoon best regards Paul wasn't 12 angry men a play before it was a movie yeah so it shouldn't count then huh Exactly, because a play, what are you going to do? Right. You can't just you can't just drop the curtain and say three weeks later. next day. Yeah, right, Shakespeare, you know, they work. all take place in a day. Julius Caesar. Uh, all, all plays are basically real time. In fact, all Shakespeare's plays take place in the same day. That's why he's the bar and the same place. Like you can't have a different setting. It's all just people sitting yeah. in the same place. What are you going to do? It's also like a character. What are you going to say? And it's always a woman playing a man. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. P.S. Sorry for missing last week, Paul Weimer. A pens. I was in England for the Hugo Awards ceremony. Didn't win, but had fun. <laughs> Arthur Jovan and Jelly writes, Hi, Kelly Wan. You've got another great topic this week. Hopefully my list can do it justice. Just like uh, Henry Fonda did justice in 12 Angry. <laughs> uh, that's me there. <clears throat> Number three, Locke. Almost all this. See, so far the listeners have picked one of each of ours. That's true. Let's see who prevails. I should have a sound effect for that. Right. So far, it's a tie. Uh, number three, lock. Almost all this movie's 90-minute runtime. Do I want to spoil what happens? Fortunately, that man is Tom Hardy, and he's perfectly capable of holding our attention for the entire car ride. I thought knowing that it was a BMW would give it away. Number two, Die Hard. <laughs> ah, Die Hard's a good one. See, yeah, that's as soon as you said Dread, I was like, why wouldn't Kelly pick Die Hard? Um... Because it doesn't have Olivia Thirlby. Oh, good point. Bonnie Bedelia is no Olivia Thirlby. I think we can all agree. I, yeah. might, I might go for Bonnie Bedelia. Here, here, how do you feel about this? Alan Rickman is no Lena Headey. What? You're arguing against Die Hard? Ford Red. Sure. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure After what I, just, I I might have to retract <laughs> that. I like that it's not only a day. This is me. Uh, but it's like a day that... I like when the char- – it's like a shitty day in the character's life, like training day kind of. Die Hard, pretty sure I won't be the first to bring up the worst day of Officer John McClane's life, at least until it happened four more times. His marriage fell apart. relationships <laughs> with his kids disintegrated. In the, that's another thing that sucked about the Moscow one besides everything to me. It's like, it's like a month or so happens. Don't they like he, – He's, on, a, he's oh. on his vacation. He's on his vacation. He has to fly there. Nothing happens at the airports. And then, remember, there's that whole thing where, okay, he has to go into the nuclear reactor, so he has to wear the hazmat suits, but then they have a special hose. Oh, God. Why am I talking about that? Number one, 
Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. The events of this movie all take place within a few hours since all the planes are within two hours of their targets. I love how the time limitations add an extra level of insanity to the proceedings as characters rush to prevent that, which they have no chance of stopping. Well, they had a chance. They had a bunch of chances. They just fucked it up. Well, it's it's the 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 plane the the MIG that shot up the receiver in the B fifty two that Slim Pickens was in. I wish that's what ultimately messed it up. What if Philip Sor- Phil Seymour Hoffman's instead of Beirut, it had been that day, like his character was in Doctor Strange's life? First of all, he would have been a lot older in the movie, or not. So there's that. Runner up, Murder by Death. Ah, I miss people talking about that movie in my life. Kids say I haven't seen Murder by Murder by Death. Yeah, the Neil Simon movie. Truman Capote's in it. As what? Fuck yeah! And Peter Sellers is Chinese in it. What? Sounds like some old black and white thing. Uh, Angel Alec Guinness is a blind butler in it. What? Okay, whatever. It's really good. Is it an Agatha, Agatha Christie Smith. thing? It's a parody of Agatha Christie and all the other. It's like Sherlock Holmes is in it, and maybe I have seen it's a comedy. It's wacky. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen it. It was like oh, because Murder by Death, right? That's a dumb name, yeah. isn't it? Right. I'm I'm now getting that. It's, I now understand that reference. That's funny. Truman Capote's on like a laser chair at one point. Hmm. Okay, you're. I, I'm intrigued. A murder mystery spoof that takes place over the course of a night. This film features an all-star cast, including Truman Capote, but they're all upstaged by Peter Sellers' performance as Sidney Wang, which appeals to the Kelly Wand and all of us. <laughs> Can you name another movie that Truman Capote appears in? Uh, Star Wars Clone Wars. Yeah, very good. He's a hut in that. He, play, he plays Count Dooku. No, in the animated one, there's a oh. hut who talks like Truman Capote because it looks as kids love like writer. Uh, Truman Capote is in... Tom, do you know what it is? Cool Hand Luke. He's like an overseer. It's going to be some grandpa movie I haven't seen, I bet. Third Man. I don't know. What is it? Stop, ta- stop taunting me. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of letters to read. What is it, Diggus? Damn it! I'm gonna go nuts if I uh, isn't he. Isn't he in Annie Hall? Oh, I think he is. Are you thinking of Marshall McLuhan? <laughs> no, I'm. I'm thinking of uh, of Woody Allen sitting there, like commenting on people who walk by, and he, he says something about, "Well, there goes Truman Capote," and it is actually Truman Capote. Oh, oh, okay. Season of Best Picture. There you go. Gore Vidal's not. But Kurt Vonnegut's in Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. Chris Hobson writes, Cornelius, 12 Angry Men, 12 men who don't know each other's names and don't ask, brought together in a room for an hour and a half debate. Um, did you see that movie, Tom, or is that Grandpa for you? Uh, I think I probably saw it a long time ago. Sure. It's pretty good. I know the I know the play, yeah. yeah. I only see plays. Right. I mean, it's because, uh, I don't know, Chris Markardson writes, it, isn't that movie just like product placement for the jury system, though? <laughs> anyway, I'd like to hear from the lynch mob. Faction. Why aren't there any women on that jury, by the way? There is, isn't there? In 12 Angry Men? Yeah, isn't there, yeah, isn't there like a... So then the, the title is a lie. Well, it's like Invisible Girls, also Invisible Woman. Okay. So there's my proof. Chris Markardson. Markardson? Markardson. See, I said his name right. Now I forget how I said it right. I think I said it six ways, and then one of them was right, and he just <laughs> took it. 
as a compliment. Hey guys, here are my picks for this week's three by three. Number three, run Lola run. Is that one day? I yeah, guess she's yeah, running. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. This ninety eight. Uh, I kind of wish I'd picked a go now, but anyway, this nineteen ninety eight German film gives a sum of all histories as Franca Patani does her best to meet up with her idiot boyfriend in twenty minutes. I thought that was Mila Jovovich. Number two, Die Hard. In less than 24 hours, Bruce Willis is able to take down a group of German thieves and tempt a future movie podcaster into smoking. <laughs> I forgot about that. See, Tom, people listen. To the- wow, wow, why would someone remember that? <laughs> that's the, ah, uh, see, that's your Beirut. That's why everything has to be rated R because it worked to get on me, so therefore, no kid is safe. My number one pick's not only a great movie, but it's also one of the few movies that makes 3D worthwhile. In Gravity, Sandra Bullock has a less than ideal five or six hours in space as she has to contend with space debris, oxygen deprivation, kelp, and the perils of using a fire extinguisher in a microgravity environment. (laughs) Uh... Is the only cut, though, in time um, when George Clooney is is towing her? No. Isn't the rest of it completely real time? Oh, uh, there's, uh, yeah, but I mean, there's cuts between, like, she gets inside the, that one. I don't, I don't think there are. No, in the space station. Well, I'm saying it's like, you're saying it's I think there's one cut when George Clooney is towing her along, and she's low on yeah, air, and they're right. going to head to the, but I, I don't think there's any other cut. I don't think it's four or five hours, like Chris is saying. Well, maybe we don't know how long that takes, but I, I think that's the only cut in time, is as they're going to the first... I remember Neil deGrasse Tyson saying, like, that's the most unrealistic thing about it, was it would take hours to even get there or longer. Well, fine, but that's, you know... That's, that's and then also thing. she's a medical doctor, but she's doing she's unscrewing things on the uh, outside of a satellite. Uh, she's she a medical doctor? I thought she was like a... I thought she was some kind of a... She's not a screw doctor. <laughs> well done. Ladnar Savad writes, hope I managed to get my submission in for this 3x3 in the nick of time. Not the film with Johnny Depp and Christopher Walken, although it fits the topic and has some great Walken in it. This week I'm just bringing two to the table, and perhaps they've already been mentioned. Number three, The Raid Redemption. The Raid colon Redemption. I remember Tom didn't like that movie. Did not, yeah. I liked little chunks of it, but it seemed kind of like not as good as John Woo. Like it wasn't, it didn't make you, whoa, that happened. Just like close calls and the same shit happening. Yeah, it's got its own sort of energy and sensibility to it. Characters weren't very interesting. Right. This Indonesian action martial arts film was a shocking slap to the face the first time I saw it. Interesting how the plot parallels that of Dread. Good guys go into a large housing project expecting one thing and get sucked into a violent whirlpool of something else altogether. The sequel is far superior in my opinion, but that isn't related to the topic. I think Tom's mentioned these films on the podcast before. I have not seen the second one yet, but I do intend to. Well, for Redemption's in the first one. Uh, the second one apparently has a lot more non-fighting. Oh. Uh, so it's probably called The Raid Fighting, since the title <laughs> both times. Just checking. Dingus mentioned Before Sunrises in, in his list, yes. Ladnar Savad craftily projects. Clever girl. Very nice done. It's, boy, they really know you, you two. Second, I bring you 1978 Carpenter Classic Halloween. Huh, huh. 
this film is see Halloween and Halloween two both take place in the same day. Um, is that true? Yeah. So Michael Myers escapes. Okay, that. Uh, I don't think so because it starts with him escaping. Doesn't it take That's him some time night. to get to Jamie Curtis? Yeah, then he sees work? her in the day, so it almost does. But Halloween two is all one night, and then. Okay, but I don't think that applies to Halloween. I could. I'm pretty sure that's it not. Does correct. escape the night before, but it's still 36 hours. Right. It's within, but it's not within a 24 hour day period. And then uh, Halloween three, season of the witch, uh, covers several years. <laughs> Stonehenge. Uh, this film's been covered to death in detail by folks more knowledgeable than myself. But I think one of the strongest things about the narrative here is that it all takes place in the span of one day and night. Halloween, the night he came home. Honorable mentions that I think happen. Happen in 24 hours. Run, roll, run. Fuck. Run. Run, run, roll, run. Run. Die Hard, Night of the Living Dead, Reservoir Dogs, Dread, Gremlins 2. <laughs> See, I thought about Reservoir Dogs, but it has so much flashback to other days yeah. that I decided to drop it. You absolutely can't use Reservoir Dogs. That's just, that's you absolutely can't cool. mention Gremlins 2 without adding the new batch. <laughs> Even in a list. Evil Dead and Dusk Till Dawn. Oh, yeah. Evil Dead's all one night. Oh. Oh, yeah. That was what kind of weirded me out about Army of Darkness was that it was a, it was it covered more than that same night. Like, I thought it was just going to be one night. Well, there's a whole stage. army that they've got to squeeze into that movie, Kelly Wand. You can't do that in one day. Chris Hornbostel writes... Great topic, and thank you, Kelly, for rethinking having to read everyone's movie-inspired dream diaries. Huh? I did. I wish I remembered what I said, but I don't really wish. My movies that happened one day, Dazed and Confused. I marked it down a few notches for being a remake of American Graffiti. Uh-uh. See, it's growing up days are all like that. Or growing up movies are all a day long, Right. Um, yeah, Stand By Me, all one day. All one day. No. Goonies, all one day. Boom. School Kids, always one day. Three o'clock. Dead Poet Society, Breakfast all Club, one all one day. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Breakfast Club's one of my runners-up, and that is one day, but those others shut up. Pretty in Pink, all one Little day. Little Women, all one day. Yep. Um, Weird Science, all one day. <laughs> Schindler's List, all one Ferris day. Ferris Bueller, all one day. Uh, Tom, see? Too soon. <sighs> Yeah, Tom, not cool. Um, our uh, last day that we're young, school filmmaking is why he likes to confused. Number two, Miracle Mile. Tom, I'm going to win. Mm, I think Dingus won. Someone Did? else mentioned before Sunrise, didn't they? Uh, it has to be a different movie each time. Uh. This audacious movie just makes one bold choice after another after Anthony Edwards, back when he had hair, picks up a payphone and overhears a conversation about nuclear war starting. Is it a joke, a hoax? Love the way the movie plays with the whole is this really going to happen or not aspect of that phone call to the very end. Uh, number one, After Hours. I think this is one of Martin Scorsese's most underrated films. It was marked at the time as a wacky comedy, but it's far more dark than that, with characters that die, crazy people, lynch mobs, and a whole lot of weirdness for weirdness' sake. Sadly, it's a movie that depends on the scarcity of ATM technology in 1983 and the pre-cell phone era to move the plot along. Well, you know, period piece. Like Dickens. Uh, so audiences not remembering that the time period are likely to miss out. Really? Audiences just see movies set in the period that they are born during? I thought there was just girls. I think I told you guys about that Elizabeth Banks movie where she gets stranded in L.A. 
uh, and she has to get across town. And, and, the, and the purge is happening. No, it's just regular <laughs> L.A. But they have to go to such lengths to make it where she can't get a cell yeah. phone. She can't get a pay phone. Yeah. A cab won't drive her unless she has money. She can't get on the bus. And it's just so strained and forced. It's obviously that after hours kind of thing. But these days you can't really do that. Yeah, Chris is right. Well, in yeah. movies where they go, where they get stuck in the woods or something, they always just go, yeah, I'm not getting a signal. And then that's the end of the phone time. <laughs> it's like horror, in a way, has pioneered the next phase. You describing that, made, Tom, makes me think of the movie Quick Change. Does that take place in the day? Yeah. The, the clown robbing yeah, the, the clown robbery. robbery? Yeah, it does. Yeah. All bank robbery movies take place in a day, just like. Dog day afternoon or an afternoon. Yeah, all movies with the word day in the title take place in a day. <laughs> the more you know. Day by night, all in a day. Day of the Triffids. What is day by night? It's that, uh, or I mean day for night. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Tom. Prepositions are not real language. <laughs> the day before. The day before sunrise. Uh, okay, listen. Dan Winningham. This is the last one, so we have to pay extra attention. That's a new rule. Hello, gentlemen. Dwin here. Uh, it would be a privilege if you'd walk outside with me. This is from 1976's Assault on Precinct 13. See, that's all in a day, and the, the remake's not all in a day, right? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's true. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, forget it. Uh, now, it's entirely possible that 3x3 Cop has already objected. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no less an authority than Wikipedia claims this all happened on a Saturday, starting at 3 a.m., and the film ends that same night. The sun has yet to come up, so the odds are good. Uh, but if it goes past 3 a.m., yeah. Don't they put him on a bus, though, again, at the end, a prison bus? Of the remake? daylight? No. Oh. He's seeing 76s, too. Oh, he does get on a bus at the end. Dark Star all in a day? Well, it's space, so, of course. Space is always – see, I proved that with my number three. And, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure what I can say about this movie as to it being completely contained within a day, but it seems so tightly packed to me there wasn't much fluff, and I think it runs exactly 90 minutes and feels exactly right. He's still talking about Salt and Precinct 13. <laughs> There's a lot. Uh, I really like some of the little touches, like how they never really explain why the lead character gets the reaction he does about his promotion and taking command. If it's purely racism, then there's never an outright or blatant statement by any characters, the lead or otherwise. Or the vaguely Joker-like conversations that the inmate Napoleon Wilson gives about why he's named Napoleon or why he's done the things to get him incarcerated. And also that the lead at one point just outright laughs. It's a siege. Yes, yes it is. And maybe one of the best on film. Thanks as always, Dwin. P.S. Kelly is still the best. You just added. How much did you pay him to write that? Uh, as much as I made to say it. <laughs> I don't right. know that's, that's not up for debate. I mean, everybody knows that. Uh, just... All right, runners up. What do you guys got? Uh, I don't know. So, Tom, does margin call take place in the day? Um, I'm trying to think how it ends. Uh, no, it's got to be more than twenty-four hours, I think. Okay, isn't it? See, there's a dog. Guess you're right because when he buries the dog and when the layoffs happen, yeah, it takes place. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the the only other one besides Breakfast Club I had was uh, was Clerks. You had Breakfast Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that movie. I, I don't care. I love Breakfast Club, and it is uh, it is contained within a day of suspension or, or detention. I guess is what they call it. Uh, the, they're de- they're in detention for a, a weekend day, and that's all in one day. 
And then, Kelly, one of all the people on this podcast, don't you think it's most likely that Dingus is the one who would least know the difference between being suspended and sent to detention at school? He probably never had to deal with any of that, right? Well, he was probably the hall monitor who got those people to go. Right. So he probably knew exactly. for legal reasons. Yeah. You, you should. I still have my safety patrol uh, vest, and I will blow the whistle on you in a minute, Mister. Next time Dingus is coming back, he's cracking skulls, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that man is a brownie hound. All right, you guys ready for next week's three by three? Are we? All right. So in this movie that we saw this week, in another movie we recently saw, uh, there are scenes where someone is doing uh, paperwork or signing documents. Huh. Um, I want uh, – so the rover had a great scene uh, with someone doing paperwork, talking to Guy Pierce, uh, And, of course, the, there's a scene in A Most Wanted Man that revolves around somebody signing a piece of paper. So I want your most uh, – your favorite scenes of people doing paperwork or signing documents. Generally, that would seem like it would be very boring. Maybe in the point – maybe in the movies you'll pick. That's the point of it. Maybe the movie somehow makes it exciting. Does Xeroxing count? Has paperwork down? Nope, so you can't use that thing that Harrison Ford has to like quickly fax one of those Tom Clancy things. Where Harrison Ford has to fax something. So wait, you're saying we can't use the rover? Because that's my favorite one. No, no, I'm taking the rover and Most Wanted Man off the table. Wait, what's the Harrison Ford fax movie? I don't remember. One of those goofy Tom Clancy things. Oh, it's not Empire? John Ryan fighting crime or whatever he does. (laughs) That's how he does it. Uh, so I that send in your picks, listeners, to three by three at quarter to three dot com. The number three, the letter X, the number three, and then at sign quarter to three dot com. Spell that out. Uh, we'd love to read your picks on the air. Uh, and next week we will be seeing November Man. Uh, yay! You suck, Tom. Why do I suck? Because I wanted to see the French Catacomb movie. Go see it. Uh, above, no. so below. Yeah, I guarantee uh, uh, you it'll be horrible. Did you already see it? No, I'm not even going to see it. I've noticed. I even watched the trailer for What's it. November? That's how much I know. I'm. Kelly, not you have to see it. that and the Maze Runner and do a double feature on that. <laughs> Is this a prequel to January Man with Kevin Klein? We can only or a hope. sequel to it. It's a sequel. It comes after all of those other months. Who's in it? Rachel McAdams. Is it? It's a it's a Pierce Brosnan. He's oh yeah. Poster. It's all, yeah, all right. All right. It's all right. Look. Up. It's Roger Donaldson though. We like him. What's don't he done? Oh, yeah. What's he? Yeah. Who's he? Roger Donaldson. Yeah. Am I confusing you with Roger Spottiswood? Who made the bounty way back when? Isn't that Roger Donaldson? I think so. Yeah. Huh. All right, I like that. Maybe he still knows what he's doing. That can't be the same, dude. Roger Donaldson. Uh, All right. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, well, we'll we'll have more talk of this next time. All right. Uh, So send in your 3 by 3 for uh, favorite paperwork. uh, And see November Man with us. Oh, oh, yeah, he made um, No Way Out. Yeah, didn't he? Uh, I like that one too. All right, I'll, yeah. now I should look forward to it. Yeah, good. How fucking old is he? I mean, uh, that's what I'm concerned about. Is yeah, oh. guys making movies back then? Do they still know what they're doing? That's... We'll find out. You know, we'll uh, and... we'll let you know, uh, listeners, and then you can decide. We'll let you know whether it's worth your time after you've seen it and listened to his podcast. What you spent your money wisely or not? Uh, I am Tom Jake. I have been joined by Christian Mutoski. It is Christian Muroski. We also had Kelly Warren. I wanted to be scared of catacombs.
Capricorn One also takes place in uh, one day because the title, right? It's just a metaphor, Herr Wand. Just a metaphor. Uh, I love when Rachel talks dirty. <laughs> <laughs>